welcome back to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I am Jack Draper. With me to take care of the Nazis, it's Clay Williams. I saw Zone of Interest almost too closely to watching this movie, and it's, it's one of those true. things really where I'm like... It really shook you, huh? That, that I, shook you. Oh yeah, that movie shook the fuck yeah. out of me. I, yeah. But it's one of those things where I'm just like, oh, this it is about the same time. This is like the same somewhat event. And it's just like it's complete... It's just the like diaspora of just completely different completely yeah, great, different great. ideologies um, filmmaking so it was well it's like, just like i i like i don't think they say the word jewish once in this movie right right um, um which is you know it's all it's that's a that's a whole other uh, bag of popcorn but um they yeah, do say nazi though like very they do say specifically that. nazi and hitler which is which yeah. is, is interesting well maybe not interesting I, it's the movie is such a black and white binary, I think, that it feels like that's okay. I don't know. In rewatching it, there was kind of a, oh, given today's political climate, would they actually go so far as to call some of these people Nazis? <laughs> that, that threat did yeah. cross my mind. Uh, but when especially it's, if, like, Hydra's worse than Nazis, and you're like, what do you mean by that? Are they? Are we sure about that? Right. Like they just want to Please kill expand everybody further. instead of one group. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because um, if it's all, <clears throat> if you try to make the tone all sincerity, and it's someone that is the emblem of integrity, then the entire Nazi, you know, organization is just very one note. But I mean. It really, it really works because it's just so stricken to um, well, that it's serialized. kind of storytelling. I mean, like, I mean, the same thing yeah. with like, yeah. Ra- like the Indiana Jones movies. It's like, besides like, like in Raiders, they're just like the obstacle. They're not this like genocidal maniac, like genocidal like force. Yeah. They're just like they're preventing Indy from getting the thing. They're like, they, they, it's not like they rom- they don't romanticize them, but it's not like they have the full portrayal of the pure evil and disgusting actions that nazis committed they're more of just like ah the nazis again they're in the way we got to get that arc and what's Um, more interesting is like this is such a classical like heroes and villains good guys and bad guys type of story it's probably the last time in the decade you could see this happen that you use nazi i mean well it's not like it was happening a lot it was just like it was it's like it was such a perfect opportunity to bring this character and it's like we were just we were just never going to see this again in something that was this well done uh, with us today returning guest William Goodman to bring us Captain America the First Avenger which never got a sequel and i was a little surprised about that it there was no the, the second avenger office. there's no second avenger this was the only one um, it's a little embarrassing that they, like, called their shot, like, and, and it's like, you don't really, like, follow that up, like, we, like, what is the deal with Winter Soldier, like, we don't really get much closure on that, like, I don't know. Who is but Bucky? anyway, as a, as a film that is just, like, a, like, as its own, holds up quite well. Hi, boys. Thanks for having me hey. back. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. Um... But uh, let's have you get us started with your first exposure to Cap 1 and any big picture takeaways this time around. Sure. So. Rogers, Steven. 
Just give me a chance. Sorry, son. You're saving your life. General Patton has said that wars are fought with weapons, but they are won by men. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. Our goal is to create the greatest army in history. I should be going with you. Look, I know you don't think I can do this. This but... isn't a back alley, Steve. It's war. But every army begins with one man. Five tries in five different cities. I can offer you a chance. He will be the first in a new breed of super soldiers. Why me? Because the weak man knows the value of strength. Knows the value of power. It wasn't so bad. That was penicillin. We are going to win this war because we have the best men. Now, Mr. Stark. They will personally escort Adolf Hitler to the gates of hell. I feel it's important to talk about our experiences with film and, and the context and environment in which we see them. So not to immediately bring this down a notch, but if you are familiar with my work in any capacity uh, or have been have been reading my stuff for a while, uh, the, the story with First Avenger is that it is the last movie my dad and I saw together. Uh, he was sick at the time and... Uh, just got to a point not long after seeing this movie where he was unable to, to go to the movies and his favorite comic book as a kid was Captain America. So this is a movie that has a very special place in my heart. I'll be honest, it's hard for me to be completely objective about this film because of that. However, you know, I, I think as we talk about this film, we can point out some places where maybe it is not quite as sharp or or tightly wound as I think it could be and whether or not that's a, a good or a bad thing. Nevertheless, uh, you know, I, I bring some emotional baggage uh, to this movie, but only in a way that makes me really appreciate it more as something I got to share an experience with. So First Avenger was one of those movies that I think I was always interested to see how they were going to handle this movie because... Cap basically needs, or let me rephrase it this way. It's very interesting to me that the MCU version of Cap, I think for quite a while, is the close, especially in First Avenger, is basically repackaging and repurposing, I think, what a lot of people really, really liked 
about the Christopher Reeve era Superman. Uh, And I think that is what makes me really appreciate this movie. There is a sort of uncomplicated good versus bad binary to this movie. And Cap is sort of positioned, not even sort of, is positioned in this movie as kind of the ideal of what it is to be, uh, I, I think, a hero. And not even just American or, or, or whatever it may be. In the same way that Super Superman is a very aspirational figure. He is what humanity could be if they lived up to their true potential. I think Marcus McFeely uh, and, and Joe Johnson and Kevin Feige very smartly position Steve Rogers as this figure. And I think that is really the key to really making this movie work. And I think I've seen this movie probably a half dozen times. I think that is the thing that stands out to me so much about this. And for a performer like Chris Evans to nail that is, it's, I I think that's a hard performance to live up to, or it's it's a hard performance rather, I think to nail that in, nail that sincerity in, because I think if you go too much one way, it can either feel false or it can feel like too much. And, the way that the movie, I think, threads that needle accordingly is is pretty special, and I think one of the reasons why it resonates so well, along with kind of these other genre trappings that I, I think make it more of a quote-unquote timeless story insofar as a superhero movie from the, the, the early phases of the MCU can be a timeless story. Yeah. <clears throat> That's wonderfully said. And, like, Chris Evans, of course is someone who had to do both Steve Rogers before and after um, the, uh, the super serum. And you feel like that those are two different um, characters on first viewing. But then once you like see, um, once you see the character in more movies, you're like, that scrawny kid is now like, like like someone like physically someone else but really has this like good has this good heart nature and has um perfected so much of like what it means to like be a hero but like is then looked at as you know it's it's like that that famous scene with like the grenade and like it's so well it's like very well like well written of like how he's willing to use um this amount of courage to like save others um but it's it as an origin story you're you like can't get much better than this like sort of revised version of superman because like i think this is like our like kind of like our generation superman as like um talking for like myself and clay like i i feel like since uh you know as we discussed with man of steel on, on that episode like since that didn't really go anywhere, and of course we got much more of uh, Steve Rogers than we got of Superman, I feel like that he kind of fit that mold more than Superman did in the decade, um, because I saw this with um, my granddad. I saw all the Phase 1 movies with my granddad, and then we saw Avengers together, and that was amazing. I don't think my granddad has seen anything else <laughs> aside from the Phase 1. To my granddad these movies have stopped after Avengers and that is a wonderful fantasy. Smart <laughs> man. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and this was, you know, I saw this, uh, I was 11. 
That makes me and feel extraordinarily I, old. But yeah, I, re- I realize this is what happens with the passage of time. I still just, just, just as, as, as uh, something I have to acknowledge. I, I, you know, yeah. 20, 21 when this movie came out, that just makes me feel yeah. old. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I think this is like an extraordinary like embodiment of the character that of course like that's what the mcu is so famous for is their casting but this is a uh actor that is as integral to the character as uh um iron man is i i think so in some ways but honestly i i really feel i was thinking about this relative to cap's arc throughout the entirety of the MCU this far. I really think the the bulk of what make Cap what makes Cap work really comes at the work of Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, the scriptwriters for this movie. They go on to do Soldier, Civil War, and then both Infinity War and Endgame, along with the Russos, who you know, the, the Russos and Marcus and McFeely really have authorship over i think the most kind of iconic moments of the mcu in a lot of ways there's an argument to be made whether or not they or whedon are kind of really the architect i mean kevin feige really is the architect above all right but like if we're looking at the smaller micro moments right i I think it's these four guys who are are really kind of the chief architects uh, in a lot of ways but i think yes Evans' performance, again, there's that there's that scales that they have to balance, right? But a lot of that is already there on the page. It's just a matter of finding a director to bring that out. I think that script does such a great job, I think, of instantly walking in with really, really small details about what makes Steve, Steve. And the way that they juxtapose that against Red Skull, played by Hugo Weaving, that was the thing I really picked up on this time, is that this is essentially, as far as like balancing character arcs go, this is, this is kind of a it's not a two-hander, but it's it's Steve's story and it's Red Skull's story. And the way that those two things parallel and how these two men have been affected by the super soldier serum and what that does to them, right? We have that line where Erskine's talking about, you know, if it's if you're a good person, it'll make you better. If it's a bad person, if you you know, if you're a bad person, it'll make you worse. That those are the two conflicting kind of ideologies throughout this entire movie that then continue to play into that good or evil binary, and it's, it was interesting to me how they paired those two stories kind of together and, and the juxtaposition that happens to see kind of you know the evilest evil and the goodest good and, and what happens when you put those two opposing forces together. Mm-hmm. Captain America. You knew that Marvel had big plans, that the goal was to create this tapestry and integrate these worlds in a way that really hadn't been done prior. And I knew what the comic books offered me, you know, just about the character. With like most comics, there's a number of different writers who are writing for that character and a number of different storylines. So you're not quite sure which one they're going to follow. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot about where the character was going to end up. It was more about, you know, the burden of trying to create this universe but that didn't really fall in my lap that was other people's responsibility and we had Downey driving the show you know what I mean like he had already done so well with Iron Man and it was such a phenomenon that you you kind of felt like okay this is we're off on the right foot 
Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You want to see how the fans see it. You know what I mean? Anytime I've heard about movies that are being made or remade, something that's dear to me, you realize how protective and possessive you are over that role. And you want to make sure the person playing the character respects that perspective and isn't just like, well, you know, I know they know the character, but this is my time. I'm going to do my thing. That's stumbling right out of the gate. So first step, try to understand why other people like them and honor it as best you can. There's a lot of fun moments in Endgame because it's a lot of moments that are servicing the fandom, but for a lot of those prep montage where we're about to go back and get the stones, it's kind of some of the original people and we just got to be in this room for weeks. I obviously really like the scene where I pick up Mjolnir for the first time. It just felt good. Most of the scenes in Endgame it just, you're fully aware of what you got to be a part of. You're really just kind of uh, so grateful every day and just trying to absorb it all. You know, I think when you're in the middle of it, it's just always like, yeah, there's another Marvel movie next year. Not that you take it for granted, but it just doesn't resonate the same way when you know, wow, we're wrapping in a couple weeks and I'm putting the shield down. And that's just, uh, it's been such a big part of my life for a decade. So most of Endgame was, a really, really lovely experience. How does it feel? Like it's someone else's. It isn't. That last day was, you know, emotional. It's like graduating school. I mean, like, you know the day's coming, and then it's all of a sudden here, and you feel like it went by way too quick, and I mean, it's life-changing. My life is forever not the same. My family's life isn't, I mean, you know what I mean? Like the, the ripple effect of signing up for that role is kind of immeasurable for me at least. And it was a beautiful time, full of gratitude. I've talked about, <clears throat> at least hints are there about my relationship with the MCU, but that was my first franchise. I mean, I guess Star Wars, Star Wars was technically, but like the Marvel movies were very important for me thinking it was just something to always keep up to date with. It was this event, but it also all, it, you know, it came with its own like industrial complex that I was sucked into when I was growing up and becoming more of a film nerd. Um, it made me be like, okay, let me pay attention to movie news or casting or directors. Like it completely sucked me up into the space in itself because I'm just like, well, what's the next Marvel movie? What's it going to be about? And then I obviously gained other interests while getting more into that world. But in a way, I have to think, MCU for really being maybe one of the biggest instigating events into getting me into film. Um, I've had a complicated relationship with that because as the years go on and I see more movies and the MCU has turned into what it is and I look back on some of those movies and it's just, you know, I just, my opinion and my feeling on them change all the time. Um, and, you know, it, it it doesn't help that sometimes, like, they're seen as, you know, the those the, the movies are seen as, like, the killers of art. You know, like, the art, like, the 
grim reaper of creativity in a way um which is always been a little didactic for me but i can understand those feelings um and so i've seen up till end game like all these movies like multiple multiple times especially the first two phases so i've seen the first cap the one we're talking about now i looked on letterbox this is probably my fifth or sixth time seeing it I haven't seen it in a very long time, though. Um, But I used to watch these, like, every year. Once every year. All right, MCU rewatch. I would skip the ones maybe I didn't love, like uh, Dark World or Iron Man 2, but, like, I would just... It was all of them. Um, It was just something I did. Um, Oh, no, this might be... Not my fifth or sixth. My fourth or fifth. Um, The last time I saw it before today was seven years ago. In July. Um, that was at the peak of my MCU interest. Um, I And I always thought, oh, that's a solid movie, but it doesn't even touch Winter Soldier, blah, 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 at that time. And then watching it now, I really just, I miss this. And I forgot how, I, and, you know, people, there's all these opinions on well what happened to the mcu what's its evolution what does it mean for movies and stuff and like what and you know people argue about the quality and that and you know whether that quality went down or up or whatever and i kind of watching this i kind of realized what has been missing from the majority of mcu movies that are not maybe guardians or like the avengers um since like phase two or phase three is that this movie has movie moments, cinematic moments, things that crescendo, things that are iconic, things that make you feel like you're watching a film. These, like, emotional uh, moments, whether it be just, like, like, there's so many moments in this film where he gets out of the um, the chamber or whatever, and he's fucking ripped. That's a movie moment. It, and the film realizes that as it's, you know, the camera moves in this for fuck's sake, thank God. Um, it actually zooms in on a person. Um, but the moment where he jumps on that grenade, that's a movie moment. These are like this like classic blockbuster formulas that are indebted into this film because it's a first because it does it's not beholden to anything else really. Um, you know, they have to set up for the future a little bit and make references and blah blah blah. But it doesn't have this already pre like this like playbook they have to go by. It can like joe johnson makes a movie that's not it's not an mcu a movie um and like character moments and lines that are like funny that aren't overly quippy and thing and there's just there's just no real expectations with this you can have you can make homages to like 40s serialized uh media about in like in united states propaganda uh, whether it be visually or on, on with the text itself you can have a red-faced villain without anyone making jokes about it, really. Besides, like, one or two things. You can just have the Red Skull be Red Skull. You can have something who, that, like, is pretty ridiculous on its face and be okay with it. You can have weird tech designs that are not necessarily alien. You can just, like, it's, I, rem- I forgot how comic booky this one is. And how unabashedly itself it is. It's not looking down on the content. It's not looking down on that Kirby creativity, or that you know, like or like Stanley's like original. Uh, like he he didn't create Captain America. He came out later. 
um, during the uh, World War Two. But still, like things that make me like like that's the closest to like the '60s comics the MCU has ever gotten. I I don't even know if it's a contest, and maybe they try to do that with Fantastic Four, but when it didn't take itself so seriously, and trust me, I still. I haven't seen Winter Soldier in a while, but that's still probably one of like, my favorites. I think those uh, uh, Avenger movies, besides maybe Ultron, are really fun. And those also have movie moments that I think those movies understand. Um, <clears throat> but to me, it just... This was so... It's also simple, too. This one, I mean, it's not like... I mean, there's obviously... There's stuff you can, you know, like, extrapolate from it. But on its basis, it's just not fucking weighed down by all this other nonsense just a simplified story uh it's uh you know it's the the good guy is uh i mean this is captain american journal but the good guy is wearing this bright blue uh suit that has a star on it and is from america and the bad guy is the uh leather wearing you know red-faced dude who has a german accent like obviously there's other details coming from but like it's just there's no real complicated and I'm not talking from a screenwriting perspective, just like a film-going perspective, like a fil- the film it operates under. Again, it, it, it maintains that serialized, simple comic book, um, like, you know, World War II and 60s and 70s, like, light entertainment while also being, like, an adventure film. Like, it's, <coughs> to be honest, it's, you know, it's, it feels indebted to a lot of, like, the, in, like the adventure films of the 80s. Uh, especially like Indiana Jones and stuff. It just allows yeah. itself to be its own thing. Joe Johnston lists um, Back to the Future as its main influence. Right. Which makes sense. And I makes think sense. that's what really... It just felt like a throwback, even though it's, you know, 2011 is not that long ago. But it feels like it's... Watching this, it feels like it was... Some... It's so funny because the simplistic morals and the, in, the like, how unambiguous the, you know... Um, these these dilemmas are it's like you feel like they would be criticisms as uh, once we get into Winter Soldier those uh, moral ambiguities are what is to be praised and I, and then to to be and this, I'm just going off my recollection of the movies like the Civil War those moral ambiguities are, are praised again but like to see it done this well and joe johnson like you say he's just making a movie and this is just like a it is it is what we talked about with sherlock holmes game of shadows this is a romp because <laughs> we don't have romps anymore everything needs to be funny all the time everything needs to be uh you know clever for the audience sake and the audience need the to feel stick. like uh yes yes um but I feel like that the you know the third and I feel like Marvel movies are often criticized for their third act and I feel like this third act is quite fun and not too bloated. Yeah, so I, I, I think that yeah. that bloatedness is is what definitely weighs down Marvel movies in the future, right? And whether it is actual just like storytelling or we have to or feel the need to set up all these different things. Here are the three different larger mcu things that happen within the course of first avenger there is a very subtle mention of vibranium 
when Caps gets a shield. That is something that, like, I think at that point we were not even sure whether or not that was ultimately going to end up paying off. Yeah, I bet, I bet they weren't even thinking that far. I mean, maybe Kefagi was, but still. I mean, there there was that bit in Iron Man 2 where I believe they have Wakanda on one of the screens, right? So it, it's one of those things that's that's like, right. they've been seeding yeah. it a little bit, but we have, I mean, that took a really long time before we ever got Black Panther, right? What, seven years? Six, seven years at that point? Yeah. yeah. And there was no guarantee that we were even going to get there because if you've read, you know, uh, Joanna Robinson's Marvel book, like had this movie not come out and done well, like Marvel was leveraging themselves in order to, to get there. There was still a paramount at the time. It was before Disney. Yeah. It was very strange for me to fire this up on Disney plus the other day and see, uh, the Paramount Paramount logo. Yeah. yeah, Oh yeah. Remember that was the thing. Um, there is, we get the cosmic cube, right? We get mm. this comes right after Thor, so there's a little the bit Tesseract. of Odin and and Yggdrasil and, and the World Tree, which is cool. If you've seen Thor, had just seen Thor, like that that that's cool to have that moment. But ultimately, if you didn't watch Thor, it doesn't really matter too too much. Yeah, right? they just think it's Norse mythology. They don't actually exactly. like you could you people like oh, that doesn't people were like well that doesn't mean Odin exists. That just means that thing exists. But you know, but obviously it does. And then there's and, I, the... and, I, and it's like because it implies that it doesn't need you to have the audience do homework by like you need to have seen Thor, watch Thor's TV show, watch the Thor analyses videos to understand right. what the Tesseract means and like yeah. all these things. Right? We didn't just... even really know what the Tesseract meant at that point. Yes, right? I, yes. I, it's, it's it's this is the first time it shows up. We see it again in Avengers, right? But mm-hmm. it is. You know, there there's some stuff at the very end as it relates to Avengers and Fury showing up to to get Steve, but otherwise that's just like that's a payoff to the framing device that that kind of opens up the beginning of the movie, right? So it's very simplistic. The other thing too is that I think to what you were talking about, Jack, is that like there are like real stakes in this movie that you know it was one of those things when they kill Bucky off yes if you've read comic books you know about Winter Soldier and yes there is a possibility that Bucky may come back as Winter Soldier within the course of these movies but that's not necessarily guaranteed mm-hmm. again because Marvel had to put themselves in a position to succeed enough to get to the point where they could even make that a reality but that was not promised in any capacity so it gives some weight to this in a way that I think a lot of these other Marvel movies don't have because we know that oh this character is just going to come back because they have to they're going to turn this other thing and they'll be in thunderbolts meets the fantastic four or whatever it's going to be right so it, it it's very very stripped down and i think the genre trappings of it as well whether you want to position it as a world war ii film uh an adventure film uh you know inspired by back to the future inspired by indiana jones you know indy gets a direct shout out in this movie which i always forget about which is really cool with 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 red skull saying well the future digs in digs in the sands for his his toys or whatever the exact line reading is but it is just like it's it is very simple and i think the less is more approach of the mcu is something that we should really get back to albeit executed on a higher level right I, i think Things like the Marvels tried to get back to doing that and didn't really quite succeed, but I would also argue that that movie has to balance three different characters, you know, two of whom audiences, like, in theory, are supposed to have a little bit more familiarity with, depending on how many Disney Plus series that they've watched. I think that the Marvels does a pretty good job of at least setting up those two characters if you haven't seen those Disney Plus series, but I, I do understand the quote-unquote, like, homework complaints for that yeah. movie. Nevertheless, this is, like... This is a World War II adventure movie, 
and anchored by some like a, a truly incredible like Marvel really firing all cylinders I think as far as their casting goes and just like this is really about Cap let's drill, in it, drill down into Cap and figure out who he is as a person and make that the focus as opposed to having to try to service like Cap and Iron Man and Black Panther and Winter Soldier and also introduce Spider-Man in the middle of all of it right like when you look at what this movie has to do relative to what other what Civil War has to do which is just two movies later right it's they're completely different ends of the storytelling spectrum in terms of like the heavy lifting that they have to do to communicate their narrative all the way across and how simplistic and again binary this conflict is I think really works to its advantage it's William you both and I have history in comics with comics in general um I think when you think of like the movie Civil War you're talking about how like what what movie has to do more and the comics when you have an event like that no one's expecting like really like well you got to make sure everyone gets the right amount of character development in the comic like a lot of people will just be in the background and they will just have a line or like oh they were there they appeared and then we can move on marvel literally can't really do that because they are employing you know, like movie stars. So if they're going to get them on set, they're going to have them say a fucking line or have a kind of role. I mean, sometimes they'll get like truncated down, but it's like the thing is a lot of times in comics, you can just have a character there and not, you don't feel beholden to do something crazy with it or have a fully fleshed out character. You can just have them in the background or you can have them at say one or two lines there, or you can see them fight. Like it's not a big deal. Um, And with this, the first Captain and the, the first Avenger, that's why it reminds me, yeah, that simplified, it's just the guy and it's his adventure. Um, and it, like, there are moments where it does feel serialized when you're like, oh, he's going to this, um, he's, like, especially in, like, those montages, like, when he's with the Howling Commandos and he's just like, you know, oh, here's when they blow up a, a, a truck in the forest, oh, here's them in the snow or whatever and these just like flash like these quick scenes um that establish a huge amount of time really and establish just a complete different adventure within the larger film um i yeah it really is kind of a blessing for this movie to not have any of those responsibilities or expectations um and like you said, that's Marvel needs to get back to if they ever want to really have get, get, garner any more excitement again. It's either going to be the Deadpool's where it's just like this huge cultural pop culture phenomenon, and like the Spider Spider Man uh, Far From Home, or it's going or it's going to be or, um, or No Way Home. Uh, it's or it's going to be the more simple stuff. This in the middle, like when you're like trying to do a character. Uh, like try to do character work while also connecting to five different movies it just doesn't work especially if people aren't really interested in the character in the first place um and so that's like why i'm pretty much out until like one of their movies gets like a great reviews or like blade and daredevil at that because that's just like all i care about now because i'm kind of done after um 
I don't know. I, I forget what was the last thing. I mean, I watched Moon Knight because I like the character Moon Knight and I like Oscar Isaac. And and for a lot of the problems that show has, it's pretty simplified in its focus. It's not like trying to connect everything to everything. Um, but then the problem with Moon Knight just, is it's just it's not very good. <laughs> is, yeah. is the issue. <laughs> that is that is the issue. I, I enjoyed it, but I was so desperate for it to be good that I was just, I kind of, I didn't, I didn't force myself. I just didn't, I just stopped having, I'm just like, I'm just watching this and it'll be over and I'll be like, okay, that was fine. And then I moved on. Um, but it's definitely a bummer when you have that kind of talent involved in that kind of character. So at this point, it, they, it, and I, and I talk to a lot of other people and they feel the same way where it's just like, yeah, I'm just, they've just drummed it into the ground where I just, it's, just enough because we all take it for granted now because it's so much and obviously they're going to not to make this entire podcast is about the mcu and the mcu future no but, but I, this, I, when, when we talk yeah. about marvel movies it's our first now, mcu this recovering is, this like is important to... is it really that's kind of crazy after this 220 is... episodes you would feel like someone would choose something related to the biggest franchise of the we had them on short lists but never no one's really been like we need to do this yeah well, it's one of those things now we just we can't talk about Marvel movies with without having a State of the Union about where they're at right now. And I think that is a perfectly acceptable – that is part of the DNA of this conversation now. We can't yeah. not talk and, about where Marvel is now relative to where it is before because this is something I've thought a lot about is the – there was uh, ostensibly a superhero bubble that has now since burst, right? Like we – I don't think we're – I don't know if we can peel back the curtain too far, but I'm going to do it anyways. We're recording this the weekend after Madam Web came out, right? Like Madam yes. Web just came out four days ago and that movie has its own other hosted issues unrelated to superhero fatigue. That movie is just fundamentally not a good movie, but even if that Madam Web had been good, I don't know if that movie would be doing the same kind of business week over week that anyone but you, another Sony movie starring Sydney Sweeney uh, is, is doing at this point. Right. And so we have to have these discussions now. Uh, and I'm sure people listening to this podcast are, are tired of hearing these conversations, which is why we don't need to, to dig too much further in, into this. But it's important contextual fluff to, to, to have or, or contextual seasoning to have over the course of this conversation is, you know, it, it's interesting to kind of look at what the MCU was before, which is represented by phase one culminating with, with, the first Avenger and look where we are now kind of on the fully on the other side of it and, and see what it was like when it was really just still fledgling in a lot of ways and, and yeah. what Marvel can maybe look at from the past to help inform its future. You know, quite the other thing you mentioned about this, I, I'm, I'm reminded how much of this movie isn't broken into just set piece dialogue, set piece dialogue, set piece dialogue. There is a flow to this that I really, really appreciate. You know, you have it's a movie that is made up of movie moments, right? Like it does have those three big set pieces in each act, right? You have the the first act really is culminates kind of in in, in ends with Steve becoming Captain America and, and chasing after the Hydra agent. The second act has the big Hydra base rescue, and the third act has the big like assault on the Valkyrie. But the fight between Red Skull and Captain America is not a giant CGI nonsense fight. I mean, there's CGI around that, right? As they're chasing down the Valkyrie. But it's two people in a room having a bit of a philosophical discussion 
that then breaks down into a fight and that's the basically the end of the movie right and it is not this it's not uh scarlet witch in agatha hartness floating around on a green screen shooting hmm. magic laser beams at each other right like it's, it's not spider-man more... on the fake london bridge fighting drones exactly right. it's it's grounded in a sense of some sort of reality right but even in between all of those different moments you have the star-spangled man you have steve showing up on the war front war lines and getting just like completely you know booed off the stage right you yeah. you have that moment of him actually like the montage with the howling commandos you know you you have the set piece with with bucky on the train so they're they're actually probably depending on whether or not you want to count the Star Spangled Man, I would, you know, there are anywhere from four to five to six different set pieces in the course of this movie that I just don't think we have in Marvel movies anymore. It's really just we have one big set piece that goes on for an extended period of time per movie. Uh, and then are all kind of, it's it's like video game logic where it's like, we're just going to have, we're going to have the big cutscene and then you're gonna you're gonna do the big fight and then here's another cutscene and, and so on and so forth and so this to your point clay it does feel and flow i think like a real movie because there are peaks and valleys to it consistently all the way through whereas i think other marvel movies it's just huge ups and downs and ups and downs where this is a little bit more consistent yeah because like i th- i think it might be a symptom of like how maybe i'm way off base like it could be a symptom of the movies being more and more online as the franchise continues as i remember like the i don't know like the infinity war trailer is like one of the most viewed trailers ever and i wonder if that has anything to do with it where it's like you want to make something for clips because it just has such a performance online like there's such a social media buzz about about these movies as they continue to to grow and grow and then like culminating at the end of the decade with endgame um you know i i don't know but you know i i i think about like not having seen many of the recent ones post i haven't seen any of the recent ones after endgame and um except for yeah, I was just gonna say, it. except for Strange I, Two, and it kind of feels say, like Str- a lot. Strange Two is probably I, I like. I like Guardians Three quite a bit. I like Wakanda Forever. Oh, I, I think more than Jesus. than most people do, uh, but I would say that I think, with, with the exception of kind of like what uh, Michael Waldron and and Sam Raimi had to do with the Wanda character, just because they were trying to, I think, in some regards, reverse engineer that script around covid around wandavision premiering before doctor strange it's fucking there's I, I there's there's a hatchet job on the character of wanda in that movie that i like I, it is a tough pill for me to swallow yeah. nevertheless there are set pieces in doctor strange that i think are among some of the best things that they marvel has done including you know the, uh, there are set pieces in let me take a step back there are creative set pieces in doctor strange that match i think some of the creativity that you see on display in moments of phase one including star spangled man i mean the marvels has a musical section that they flirt with doing and then completely abandon maybe 10 minutes into that whereas i feel like marvel the past would have when they had a big idea like the star spangled man it's like no we're not going to tease this we're going to have a full five minute section of our movie be a full-on musical and to the point where i had portions of that stuck in my head the other day today actually as i was walking around uh Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know 
who will slip the noose on those goose stepping goons from Berlin? Like, there's <laughs> anyway. Uh, I feel like some of the creativity that we see in First Avenger is just not on display in a lot of Marvel stuff moving forward because they almost have to play it too safe. Whereas this is a situation where it's like if we're yeah. if we're going down, we're going to go down swinging, and we're going to take some. I don't want to say big swings, but we want to have some fun with this in a way that Marvel just gets to a point where they're like too big to fail in some regards. And with, I think that is the interesting thing to see moving forward is like, how does yeah. Marvel adjust to that post like MCU? It is very interesting. Bubble basically. It is almost like with these phase one movies before Avengers, they're trying to prove themselves. Like mm-hmm. these movies should exist. And uh, Disney did buy us for a reason. Eventually they will at least. And, um, but at, at the, and then we get to, um, uh, multiverse of madness and th- they're like basically playing with house money. Cause it's like, you know, once we get to like the multiverse stuff and it's like, okay, I, it's just, it is, it is a lot for me. Cause essentially the unsung hero of this to me is absolutely Joe Johnston. I mean, this is essentially a nineties blockbuster that we love. Cause that's where, you know, he made his bread and butter with these things that on the surface could be looked at as hokey or uh, overly um, schmaltzy, like your October Skies or your Rocketeers or your Jumanjis, but actually breathes a lot of life into them. And it, it is funny, like, to me, like, thinking about Multiverse of Madness even more with the conversation of, like, the State of the Union, it's like, these movies have become more fun to talk about than they have to, like, watch, right? <laughs> um, but... I think there's a choice in here in the first Avenger that kind of almost distills just the methodology and thinking of I will just say current superhero films in general not just Marvel and Marvel's like the big one but still Um, and and the closest you and I think another reason why there is such a strong contingent of people who like those Venom movies, and I am one of them, is because they're so fucking silly, and they just, uh, and they just don't like prescribe to any real nature of just. I mean, they are formulaic in structure, but the content of it is just very silly and nonsense. And you have, and, a, and I guess something that I've heard about the Venom movies, and I'm also hearing about Venom Web that I'm realizing it's like, and I don't know what there is to say about it that it's like they feel like movies from 2003 where it's like it's the an, first venom it's for sure era. venom 2 is yeah. kind of they kind of were like okay let's i guess we're gonna make something a little more up to date yeah. but still be <clears throat> fun. um but there's a scene in first avenger where it's the beginning where uh johann schmidt uh the most german name imaginable um shoots uh the norwegian dude <laughs> And blood splatters, and blood splatters on his hydra pin, and they do a close-up of the, you know, the blood splattered on the hydra pin, and that's like a whole thing. And it's silly. It's very, it means, he just killed a dude, but it's just like, oh, blood. Here's here's us teasing Red Skull, basically. It's so silly. And it's also just like, it's also just like, ooh, how villainous this new corporation, they have, you know, their insignia has blood on it. Um, or, yeah, or that moment, if we reference again, when he's getting his paint, when he's getting painted, and he ha- and there's all this red paint visible, and this guy is in disgust. It's like, those are these, just, these very simple and kind of silly blockbuster moments that don't have real, there's no real importance to it. 
it's not like those move those moments make the movie so to speak it's not like if you you know they they're easily you could also easily miss them and it's okay but just having fun with the material instead of just being so like fully focused on all right we got we got to check this box this box this box uh this box i can't this box jesus christ but we have to just check all of this shit i know i don't know what i was saying um Instead, they're just like, we'll just have some fun in this, like, just these little moments. And it's just so... And even, like, the montages of... Like, the inclusion of... Just, like, during the Highland Commandos montage while they're, you know, destroying all these factories, there's just this, like, small little cutaway of Red Skull driving up to one of the destroyed factories and go, damn it! Captain <laughs> America! Or, you know, like, he's not yeah. saying that. But it has that energy. And it's just, like, it's... Nowadays, you would just cut that. Because, like, oh, it doesn't really explain. There's no, one, there's no action, there's no exposition, and, you know, it doesn't, like, do a ton of character work or whatever. But it's just a fun moment. Or it's, like, it would be a joke that is just, like, out of place. While that but I, I do think that work. sequence does have character development, because that's the moment where we have... Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I just mean that moment, like, very specifically. Oh, the, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that whole sequence, I mean... You know, I think it speaks. Even that moment with the Red Skull, I think, speaks to the effectiveness of how Cap is as a hero at this point, right? Like, we don't need a ton. Yes, that's inherently maybe a silly moment, but it does speak to okay. The Howling Commandos have done a really, really great job with what they're doing. Like, at, at a point in time where they may have been considered maybe like underdogs, it's like no, Cap is actively like a great leader and is capable of significantly hurting the Hydra operation. And sort of gives us as a viewer, I think, the confidence for when they launch that all-out assault on the base at the very end. It's like, okay, like we've seen Cap do this a million times by this point. You know, I think this is, I, I'm this is a generous reading, right? But just to play devil's advocate, and then you know, I, I think the the other moment that's really great in there is the stuff with with Peggy. I mean, the mm-hmm. you know, I think that Haley Atwell is a name, a movie star this performance, is, a this movie is, star performance. <clears throat> I was thinking about her uh, today watching this in the context of watching of watching mission MIDR and yeah MIDRP P1 <laughs> um I guess it is just dead reckoning now nevertheless yeah. uh my 4K downstairs says otherwise I, I have the dead <laughs> reckoning version but I do think I would Jokes like to project my own reading onto this is that uh McHugh and Cruz watch Captain America and we're like what what is what has Haley Atwell been doing since this? Hollywood doesn't know how to use her effectively. Let's get her it's back into a role crazy. that is it's more reflective crazy. of what she did. Let's basically put her I, How in is a Peggy Carter? Version. I feel like this is the right audience to field the question. How, do we, is I it, didn't is even it watch like Agent Carter. Untapped? Okay. Right. I I rather enjoyed it. I, I didn't okay. keep up I heard with it. I heard it was good. The, I heard it was good. There's, there's a shift in season two where they moved to Los Angeles, and I kept up with some of that. I think the performance. I think the writing kind of tailored off a little bit, but Haley Atwell's performance was never in doubt for me. I mean, the the first season of Agent Carter is basically like period genre alias. So like, I'm all here for that. Like in terms of, you know, just like a weekly spy show is mm-hmm. anchored by an extraordinarily compelling lead is always going to be right up my alley. So I really enjoyed that. I think the narrative was a little tighter in season one. And then I kind of fell off with season two a little bit. Nevertheless, season two, I think also... Maybe that's season one. Chad Michael Murray comes in as like a very misogynistic, like, uh, like, uh, uh, 
unit leader basically or, or field office leader and i just felt that that wasn't uh that performance was really quite working for me nevertheless yeah. i mean she's great in this and it's one of those things where I, I i don't know how much Haley adwell had been in prior to first avenger it was certainly my first time seeing with her i believe she was in an episode of black mirror as well right so she had been doing some yes. stuff mostly in the uk by that point but this is the first yeah, time i think I a lot of um, a lot of american audiences had seen her were they not a part of like Tumblr torrenting British shows, right? So she yeah. makes such an impression, and then to have her turn around and do it again in Dead Reckoning, it's just it's just great. I just I, I really 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 wish that more people had been using her um, in roles, splashy roles like this, and because she's so good here. Uh, but I mean, this whole cast is great, right? I, I think yeah. Tucci, Tucci is great. Comes Touching in the, yeah. The you talk, Clay, you talk about like really kind of just like legitimately funny lines that aren't just quips. The, the part where they're sitting on the bed right before hmm. he does the surgery and he's like, Oh, what do you, you have, you can't have fluids tomorrow. <laughs> like this is for me. And then the next day where he's like, uh, you know, I, I think I drank too much of that. So there's not much left for you. Like those aren't laugh out loud, laugh out loud lines. And they're not quite quips either, but there's something that sort of, I think reveal a charming. little bit about his character. And it's very charming. And you have someone like Tucci, who's just so effort, effortlessly charming and kind of effervescent in his performances, it's like the perfect person to do that. I mean, there's not a lot of there there to Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones's performance, but he's like the exact kind of person you want playing that role, right? Yeah. Like if you think yeah. of the quintessential, like, you know, stoic, grizzly, World War II army leader, it's, it's Tommy Lee Jones to a T. He gets like a he good didn't... performance, and I don't even think he was trying. Like, no, I, don't I don't actually think, so think he was trying at all, and I was like, that's a pretty good performance. Yeah, yeah like the... Even I think Joe Johnson is just a good it's... actor's director. Can we also quickly about Johnson? Can we get my man out of director jail? He did reshoots in post production. All four on, realms have him on, yeah. on four realms, I and I would really yeah. that that movie's not his fault. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't could. appear it. No, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I did not see not, not safe for work, so I, I can't speak to that 2014 movie. But it's like my man has not done anything really since 2011. Like, like can we yeah. can we can we can we fix him? Surely there there has to be like he's such a like reliable steady hand like. Uh, he's he's done several you know things for like the Disney corporate like there has to be something for him like at least yeah. a streaming he whatever was an executive but... producer I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now he was an executive producer on a move on some sort of short, TV short called yeah. The Creeps but otherwise has just shown up in documentaries over the last couple of years and it's like yeah, I would so really strange. like for him to get back to work because I like, like seventy four he might be tired yeah. yeah maybe but if we can get George Miller absconding to Australia to make Fury Road like well can he's we get George... crazy. Well, that's just, it's like, but maybe Joe like, Johnson is shouldn't too. be doing yeah, it. I love George Miller. Yeah. You should not be doing what you're doing. <laughs> well, I, it appears to me that Johnson is one of those people that, where it's like, if you get him a script, I feel like he's just like one of those people who's just like ready to go to work and then just like bang he's it like, out as, as it's like, this is, you know, he's just, he's just very unflattering about the filmmaking process as it appears through his films. He's um, like a stalwart director, right? Like, he's, yeah. like, maybe less flashy. One of my favorite powered. kinds of them. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, he's just, he's yeah. just like, a work. he's just, like, I'm, I'm here to work, basically, he does right? The and, like, yeah. And sometimes it's, you just need a steady hand, which is what I think this movie needed. You know, it certainly helps that he has had his fair share of history with, I think, things that sort of fall into that kind of, like, dadcore genre, <laughs> right? Like, I love October Sky. That was the movie that introduced me to Laura Dern. Have a very <laughs> soft spot for that movie, you know? Hildago was a DVD classic in my household. My dad loved that movie. 
uh, you know, same thing. Jumanji was definitely a movie that we watched quite a bit. So, you know, th- there is a place for him, I think, in our, our modern-day film culture. But um, it does say here that he was in negotiations to direct uh, a legacy sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that I believe probably did not ultimately come to fruition. Nevertheless, would love to Thankfully. see him do some more stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I wanted to make Captain America because he is not really a superhero. I mean, he doesn't have any superpowers. He's, he's not even every man. He's below every man. He's sub every man, you know. But uh, he's the, the kid next door who has this process performed on him, and he becomes the world's greatest athlete, plus 20%. And the interesting thing about the character for me was sort of the psychological issues that that's going to bring up that transformation going from you know skinny kid to adonis overnight what does that what would that do to you and uh, that's that's sort of the interesting part of it for me but uh the opportunity to shoot a uh an action film an action adventure that took place during world war ii and the period you know i love the period i love the designs and the clothes and the technology and everything and I wanted to prove that you could make an action film a period action film and has it have it be as exciting as a contemporary one most of the film takes place in Europe and uh, it there's so many great places to shoot in the UK it opens a film up and you know it does not look like we shot in a back lot in Hollywood or anywhere else for that matter um, we shot at a lot of practical locations uh, you know the woods and and uh in London and a lot of places you know, around the UK that we couldn't have found here. For me, the, the, the most re- rewarding part of any uh, filmmaking project is seeing it come together. Because, you know, you go out, in production, you go out there and you shoot and you just, you're amassing footage and you're just out there trying to make the days and trying to stay on schedule and try to keep it you know, under budget. And you don't really see the film until you get back in the cutting room and you and that, that's, that's actually where you make the film. That's where you discover what it's about. And, uh, you know, even though you go out there with a the script and you're shooting the pages, um, what you always find out, especially when you've got a great cast who is bringing so much to it, you really discover that, wow, okay, I, I was making this film, but what I'm ending up with is better than I, I thought it was going to be. It's, it's different, it's deeper, there's more levels to it, it's more interesting, you know, so that's really the... That's really the fun for me is putting it together and and uh, and sort of finding out what the movie's about. One random thing I was thinking about, you know, we we talked about the special effects. I think of some of the the VFX work around maybe some of the set pieces. How did the d the skinnying effect work for y'all thirteen ish years later? I, a little shaky. I almost always was like, oh, that's right? kind of cool that they did that. And then I, for some reason, just watching it, you know, yet, uh, yesterday and just like <laughs> since, you know, it's been seven years, I'm like, oh, that looks, that's not, it's a, no. Yeah, that's not so seven. I'm a yeah. little higher like, on like, it. There's a think... little lag between the body and that. Like, it's just the shoulders. Is, it's just right yeah. here. It just doesn't. So, looks weird yeah they're they're the moment where he's getting beat up in the alley candidly his shoulders are too broad like it's just he 
he the way that his shoulders just like shoot out and even form the tops of it just start to form that like perfect ripped like Chris Evans triangle right like that just doesn't quite work in that sequence and there are in moments where you can kind of see the head kind of almost like not like tear off from the body but there's not as quite as much like smoothness of movement there as I think you would want it to be when he's sitting down at the doctor's office or like like right before he meets Chuchi it's just like this doesn't it just like there's like it looks like pixelated in a way yeah. It's. I think when he has clothes on, I think it, it actually works still a little bit better than I think I thought it was going to be coming back and revisiting it all this time later. Um, but that might be because I watched it on an iPad on a plane. If I had watched it on my big 4K television, I think it might be a different story. But was was curious for some some other thoughts. I, I, I remembered yeah. it being much better than it actually same, was. Same, same. But... but... I mean, it's not like it breaks. It doesn't break it. Movie, Evan movie. sells it really well. Yeah. And I feel like if it weren't for him giving this, um, like, confident of a performance with technology that was well relatively new, like I, I think of um, Ernie Hammer and the Social Network as mm-hmm. as something else that was similar to this. Um, but you know, and they'll go on to use something like this again in like the opening sequence of Civil War, and then like de. But maybe that's different of de aging faces than it is of like shifting physical body structures. But um... I mean, all all of this technology is kind of swimming together. I think it works well enough that when he steps out of the Vita chamber, you're like, oh. This, yeah. this dude is like a superhero now yeah. right like it still yeah. plays effective enough to be like i understand that that is what chris evans looks like in real life after all of that training but that 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 dude is captain america now <laughs> like the believability mm-hmm. of that moment i think is is still very very present to go I back think to that there's well i i guess also like there i don't know it's like it is i i did i i do think it is interesting i we do notice a bit of the lag more so this rewatch, but I like that it is imperfect considering the movie's tone, how it's like a little hokey and it's, you know, it's the stars thing It's the star spinkled man, right? There's, there's a facade there. There's a character. And I suppose like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm over. I think when it's it's wide shots, it looks okay. Yeah. 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 I, I guess it's like, uh, you know, um, Captain America is playing another character of uh, Steve Rogers, right? And that was, you know, that was him before the. Sometimes I, wanna... I let him do the wide shots while I'm getting blazed in my Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel? I don't want to not give Evans credit, but it almost sometimes it does feel like she is single-handedly making them have chemistry. I'm not saying, <laughs> it, and I don't know why I feel like that because I, 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 I you know, that's probably not true. Um, but I do like feel like sometimes that just hurt just the close ups of her just like trembling even a little bit or having some kind of like hesitation in saying one thing or just like the way she looks at him. It literally makes the chemistry just blossom. I um, I think she just her like gravitation towards him, I think is just it's incredible to watch. Well, she just has it is really also, great instincts, right? Like she, yeah. she just like I think you can even see that with how she conducts herself around Cruz. Like, and it's all very, very subtle. I mean, my, I would love to know if this was in the script for Mission, but the like 
sort of like fake erectile dysfunction joke that she does with Cruz in the car in Mission is like so perfectly well played. I- I'm sure that's how it was in the page, but what makes that scene work is just like the subtlety of how she kind of like nods her head and what she does with her eyes in that moment with Cruz, I think too, is really, really good. And you can see that in First Avenger where she just like a lot of, I think what she does, I think to sell that relationship quite, it, it are very, very subtle things that are not very, very showy. And I, I think part of the reason why it works, and I hate saying this because it may sound slightly reductive, but it is a supporting performance, right? She's there to so- support the the Chris Evans performance. And so I think she's doing a lot to bring that to life. You know, I don't know how Chris Evans really is as a romantic lead. Um, so I, I think thing. she is, is definitely bringing more to the table. But I think that's also just the nature of the role it being a supporting role is that she's required to do more of that than he is necessarily needed to do but she makes it seem effortless to your point like i I, she she makes it seem so natural and so real that it is really exciting to watch well it looks like no one uh saw before we go the romantic comedy he directed uh i can't say i have seen that one no i'm just kidding yeah (laughs) i well i it's evans i i think to a point yeah it's hard He's so synonymous with Cap, right, to me. I mean, I think to everyone in a way that it's hard to see him up. I mean, him in, like, Sunshine is fantastic. I think he's really good at Knives Out. Um, I, I think Sunshine is his best performance, and I think he's even said so. Um, he's he's really good in Snowpiercer, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think what it is, Clay, is that I think Evans works better in a mode that is sort of, for lack of a better term, whether this is fair or not to him, something that is closer to a fuckboy than it is something that is, like, a more traditional, like, World War Two era, like, I, I'm not saying he is of this level, right? But, like, Bogart-esque kind of, like, classic right. stoic leading man. I just don't think that romantic tenor works as well for Chris Evans as it would for other actors. But if you see him in Fantastic Four, which those movies are not great, he's great in them, he is, like, a bit of, like, the playboy, right? And I think that tone works a lot better for him than it does uh, And this as far as, like, a love interest goes. Which is why mm-hmm. I think it is hard to judge him because Captain America the character as it's written and it's historically i mean there's always been some you know there's you know it's been adapt the character's been adapted so many times so many different things that people will always like change a little bit or like have their take on ooh, what if an edgy captain america blah 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 um but the inherent like the inherent foundation of that character it's really hard to make them have like more than like two dimensions mm-hmm. like it's because the thing with Christopher Reeve's Superman, and that, and why I don't feel that same way, where I'm like, I don't think he's bringing that much, is because he has to admit, he can, he has that angle of Clark Kent versus Kal El. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has seen that video of his posture completely changing when he's like acting like Superman, and then like his posture completely changing when he's acting like Clark Kent, and like he does it in like a split moment, and that's why that performance is so great and so dynamic, and also why that relationship between him and Lois has, you know, like, he's bringing more to the table in that way because he has to manage that subtext and that, I mean, the context of him with Lois in general. With Steve Rogers is that he is the most morally upright man to ever live. There's never anyone who's been morally... There's never been anyone else more morally upright. He is the most unselfish and 
perfect person to really exist. Um, he is a super soldier. He is an Aryan wet dream. Um, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So it's like, it's really hard to judge like, oh, like some people will say Chris Evans is stale or he gives a stale performance as Cap. And it's one of those things where it, I might not, I think I disagree, but I it's too. one of the, but it's like, it's really hard to kind of not, that character itself, I like Captain America just fine. I think it's the environments you put him in that make him interesting, but in of itself, I mean, that's the way I think Winter Soldier works is because you're putting him in a very fucked up environment in the yeah, sense I'm... of, oh, you were working with Nazis the whole time and you're bo- and you're, and you're, you're working with a place that's going to create a helicarrier hel- that could kill anyone anywhere at any time. And, like, that's, to me, that's, like, that's what makes him interesting is where you put him. And so to have him operate as, like, a romantic lead, I mean, like, him and Emily Van Camp have the most non-existent just chemistry gonna, ever existed. He's, he's, he's good with ScarJo, not... but, you know, they did uh, um, they did Perfect Score together, so, like, there's right, a little yeah. bit of history there. So uh, first movie I ever saw either of these, uh, either ScarJo and, and Chris Evans in. Uh, I think he's. But, I think the, both of them are in the Nanny Diaries as well. Funny enough. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the first time yeah, I, yeah. I I had seen them was was a perfect score. But yeah, to, to your point, Clay, I I understand those criticisms, but I don't necessarily agree with them because I do think it is, it's context based upon who the character has to be and who he is surrounded with. That if you if you have, a Boy Scout, right? Like for some people, that's not that one note moralistically character cannot be the most compelling character for some people because of how well one note their value system is even if what the performer is doing is interesting or compelling or or something different i think some people can look at that as a character being one note even if there are other things happening within the context of that one note performance but i you know i i do agree that i i think there's a little bit more going on to cap especially as we get further through the MCU that maybe is not quite as present in first Avenger. Uh, yes. Even if I, even if I think the work that he does in first Avenger is pretty compelling as far as creating the template, establishing the character to then get further shaded in as we continue through the MCU. I feel like playing paper it, while looking like that is very hard. I imagine. Yeah. Like you have yeah, to yeah. pretend like I'm a virgin who doesn't fuck anytime, anywhere. I'm literally just a dork who does like dork, who is just believes in America, but also look like a fucking Greek god. I think is yeah. kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah. it's I'm, you know it's incredibly difficult. I'm sure. It it makes sense that on paper it's like Tony Stark is like the cool like flashy hip like sort of like a character that steve rogers was was never meant to be and that you can conflate the performance with uh the performance difficulty with um you know the character structure and and you know it's i feel like both performances in their first films are it's been many moons since i've seen iron man but it's both performances in, in their first films are very impressive uh, to conjure a character that you've never seen on screen before, and I mean, correct me, but I feel as though differ from their comic, you know, archetype, and and, and like they, they have you know uh, differences from 
how they are in their first movies. Um, where and that can also like be a challenge, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like you do hear the word like Boy Scout thrown around to most and like wooden with uh in comparison with um chris evans he's literally created to be american propaganda he is a product of pure propaganda and more than maybe any other character uh in comics at least are relevant Mm -hmm. he is Mm -hmm. a pure creation of american propaganda we yeah he was created uh was it right before world war ii or right at the beginning of world war ii Um, well the 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 interesting angle on this too, and to pick up on something you said, Jack, and to feed on what you're saying, Clay, is that it's very interesting that this version of Captain America comes after, almost, I don't want to say immediately after, but comes after Mark Millar's take on him and the Ultimates, right. where he is basically like, ostensibly a fascist in some ways. <laughs> like, yeah. Ultimates Cap is like the most like fascist asshole to exist in comics. I mean, right. that version of Captain America is the one that says, do you think this A on my head stands for France? Uh, is sort of the implication that like America is the place that like gets stuff done, whereas France is a bunch of like white flag waving like pacifist basically. So it- it's interesting to see the evolution of Cap just within not only the character's history, but then the immediate history that comes like right before this movie is it's such a stark comparison because I think a lot of people who are reading comic books on a consistent basis were probably more familiar with the Ultimates version of Captain America than they were to pick up like Ed Brubaker's version of Captain America, which I think is probably the best like modern day run. I mean, that's where Winter Soldier comes from, right? I think is that's the, where... Tanashi Coates, is that good? Parts of it are good. It's it's a little disjointed at the end. I, I think just because I think Cap is almost a character in comics. And J. Michael Straczynski is writing him right now. He made Cap a landlord. I don't love that. But Cap to me is a character where it's like you very very clearly need to come in, I think, with like one or two really good ideas and just execute on those and leave. Yeah. As much as I love the Brubaker story, I do think some of that gets a little weighed down once we move past like the Bucky Barnes version of Cap and Steve comes back. It, that's run. He's like a mini a series of... character. I can't think of an ongoing. Like I just can't it's think like, of like, it's like following him month to month. Yeah, it needs to be someone like Tom King. Tom King does a lot of this where he'll do these like twelve issue maxi series, and that's the format right. that he's working in almost exclusively right now. Where mm-hmm. it's I have one really great idea for the Penguin, or I have one really really great idea for Mister Miracle. I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna do these twelve issues, and those things can then be held up as like character defining moments. I think Cap right. needs to operate in the same way, but because of the MCU, Marvel wants to have a monthly Cap title, right? So those yeah. books the book's quality ebbs and flows depending upon who's writing it in a way that, makes sense. that would not happen if you had someone like Brubaker coming in and being like, I'm going to tell this Winter Soldier story and then I'm out. Or I'm going to tell this right. Winter Soldier story and then we're going to kill Cap and then I'm going to have Bucky take over and then as soon as we bring Steve back, which inevitably they did, right? Like, I'm going to leave and somebody else can take that over. Whereas I think Brubaker stayed on a little bit past his prime once he brought Steve back. Nevertheless, like, He's a hard character, and I think he's 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 difficult in the same way that writers have had trouble with Superman too. When you have someone that is that emblematic um, and that iconic, um, it can be really hard to and that much of a Boy Scout, right? It can be hard to tell stories with that particular character. Um, 
and, and also looking at Man of Steel and that there mm-hmm. was some, uh, you know, like uh, alterations done with, with with how that story goes and look at the response that that got. I, I mean, mean, it it is yeah. fascinating to watch that movie in 2023 when we did uh, for that episode, but it still goes to show like these these things can be. I mean, it's also very interesting to see like the Cavill performance and how that's directed only a few years removed from this performance. To me, what's interesting about those two performances is that Evans is playing Steve as someone that doesn't realize he's a god, whereas mm. Cavill is playing Superman as someone who knows he's one. And well, that's Snyder's take is what and if that's they were Snyder's gods. take, right? Like right. that's that's part of like what's happening there. And and I have never loved to be someone that's like hashtag that's not my whatever but like <laughs> it really took me for a long time to disassociate my feelings about who what i liked about superman as a character from what snyder was trying to accomplish with those movies where as soon as superman snaps on Z- zod's neck i was like i'm, I'm out because my superman would never do that and it's like okay well that's not what this is this is snyder's take on what's happening here like you know this is this is not the definitive superman story right it is a superman story and so i think that's that was the biggest difference there but what joe johnston and and marcus mcfeely do and what chris evans do that version of cap is something that i relate to a little bit more in terms of like even if it is you know that boy scout approach doesn't always work for everybody but these are all aspirational stories, right? So, like, let's not let's get as aspirational as we can possibly be here, and I, I think that that works. I think there is a way with Boy Scout stories is like you either have to do a wide turn or you have to fully embrace it. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. middle is where you get in trouble. Um, yeah. You can't have any hesitation. You can't be feel embarrassed. You just got to fucking do it. Or you got to do something completely different because the middle ground is inauthentic and also feels like you're pulling a punch and you're also trying to be like, oh, we need to add some modern, modern take, modern space for it, Um, which and I think that's why it's so key that it it he the origin is him in 1944 or or, uh, or I don't know, whatever year uh, 1940s and it takes place then and that's the first fucking movie. Because mm-hmm. there is a, there's, they easily could have just not done that. They could have been like, fuck that our origin story. We'll just make him into our whole new thing, so we don't have to do a period piece, and we can just plop him right back, right into the MCU. Um, you they 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 really easily could have done that. I mean, if you made that movie in the early O's, I don't know, maybe. Um, but. They embrace the time period. They embrace his Boy Scoutness, and they use it to his advantage. Um, and the thing you have to work with, what you, when you work with Cap, unless you kind of add a whole bunch of stuff to uh, his, like you know, him as a Steve Rogers in the beginning, like his storied life. Like unless we get a pair, like unless we get like a whole story about how his dad got shot in World War One, or I don't even know if that's comic book accurate, or his uh, mom worked at a TV board. Unless we get a huge origin story of that, there's no like baggage that comes with Steve Rogers. He was tiny and he got big now, but he's just a good soul. <laughs> um, when it's like Superman, man, you're dealing with heart. some right. You're dealing with an alien and the last survivor of his people. That's like 
instant dramatic tension, instant, like, like, oh, what does that mean? What, you know, like, what, what's this place here? Like, what are the, you know, and you can have all these different, like, allegories and things like that. But, you, you know, it's a pretty, a lot to work with as a character. It's meaty stuff, right? And it just, right. it inherently lends itself to, I think, a deeper, I don't want to say deeper exploration, because I feel like that's, that's potentially sort change, short-changing I mean, super, uh, Captain America. But in, in some regards, it is, and I think that is maybe why it is tougher to sometimes crack a really great Superman stories because there's so much there. It's hard to really figure out where you're going to put your attention and focus. Whereas, you know, the Steve, the stuff with Steve is, it's a little simpler. And I think where it can get really interesting is what we see in, in Winter Soldier and what we see in Civil War is like, how do we, let's put him in our modern era where things are not black and white. They're inherently gray. What does that do to a symbol? That is, quote unquote, one note, right? And it's like the character of Steve isn't changing. The times have changed, and what does that do? And then same mm-hmm. thing with Civil War. It's like, okay, well, what do you do when you know, you're having to fight between your two best friends, basically, right? Or two people you really respect, and, and what kind of dramatic tension comes from those moments? So, uh, yeah, uh, I I am very interested to see how Marvel is going to handle the Sam Wilson Captain America stories. I cannot say that I thought Falcon the Winter Soldier was necessarily the best setup for (laughs) Sam Wilson as Captain America. And I think that movie is a much more difficult nut to crack, so to speak, than any of this other stuff that we had Mm. with the Steve Rogers version of Captain America. And I think that is part of the reason why we have seen the fact that Captain America four is, has gone back for multiple reshoots, including one now that is allegedly going to go on for upwards of three to four months. So I do not envy Marvel for having to figure out this next phase of the character, and what that means, but I think it will be very interesting to watch. Is it the same, same dude from the show that's directing it? It is. It's the same script. Uh, Uh, But while you do that, that is a good transition into Casting what ifs, uh, it's an interesting list here. Uh, and Wyatt Russell is on casting what ifs, of course. I think that's pretty famous. Oh, I know, forgot, audition. I always forgot yeah. about that. Yep, that's I don't so think I knew that because uh, I knew, I knew, I knew it was Krasinski. Everything for him, that's before it was Krasinski. Krasinski yep. was the big one, Ryan Felipe, right? Ryan Felipe, yep. Oh, okay, uh, of course. Uh, I'm seeing here Chris Pratt. I don't, not sure if he went anywhere else. Interesting, in okay. Um, Chase Crawford. Um, That's hilarious. White Russell, especially yeah. where he is um, now. Clay's guy, Garrett Hedlund, auditioned for Captain America, which would have I been do, I do remember Hedlund now that yeah. you bring it up. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Levi. Um, Levi, I remember as well. He was also yeah. in the running God. for Star Lord very, very famously. Ethan Peck, who is now in uh, Star Trek Discovery, auditioned for Captain America. Um, Ryan McCarkland from Chuck. <laughs> which oh i do remember that yeah captain awesome Captain awesome yes um jensen ackles from supernatural what the fuck that's part of the reason why he got cast in the boys was was like stunt casting for that uh that's interesting quick aside uh malcolm spellman is indeed writing um brave new world i believe they have brought in other writers i think probably to do reshoots it'll be very interesting to see like who gets final credit on that but spellman did overlord guy and no it is um julius who did loose and he did oh interesting and cloverfield paradox Paradox, Paradox, yes right yeah 
that emphasis on loose. So yeah, I, uh, I cannot say I liked loose that much, but um, oh, I, okay, okay. I don't have that. It's not. Of it. It's not like it's not Clover it's something Paradox. though. I think that's, it's, it's yeah, like yeah, a it's, it's like a it's yeah. a movie. It, it I, I liked movie. the it was acting in that movie. And, yeah. I just think it, as I am sort of allergic to like stage plays that are then adapted. Into that's understandable, movies. and yeah, so that none of the like. Uh, my rainy's boy bottom didn't really quite work for me either. Mm-hmm. So like movies like that. Where did you like, see Mass? I did not. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That's that. That's also another you know uh, one location play type. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally deal. cool with one location things. I think if they're done and shot they're in a compelling staging. way, and I, I I don't I don't think the staging of my rainy's black bottom was like particularly engaging or interesting. And that's kind of the same yeah. way I felt about loose. Also, just the narrative of loose kind of ends in a bit of like a a weird way where it was kind of just like huh okay it's kind of that's, a dud yeah it's a bit of a dud yeah it's it's a bit of one a part of an there was one other name that wikipedia lists okay it's, it is inspired uh dane cook oh that can't be true <laughs> that's which oh you know it's, it's wikipedia but maybe no, uh, i no i don't that can't be true or unless it was like 20 years ago when it was in per- yeah. like when it was in like early development or something there's just no yeah when it was like true. 2004 or 2007 um, right there's then, no way then, he's obscure by then a name that we haven't mentioned much i guess is sebastian stan but i guess he he doesn't yes. have that much to do um but he was like locked in since the um the very beginning and he um, also auditioned for cap auditioned well, for cap correct? yes yeah yeah so and killian they, murphy they batman yeah Killian yeah. Murphy, Batman, exactly, yes. Or he, or um, Tom Hiddleston, Loki. It's always interesting how that works, doesn't it? It's always yeah, the guy yeah. who tested who tested for the first first dude. Mm-hmm. Um, stands stands quite good as Bucky, and and yeah. especially as we get into the more conflicted nature of Bucky, especially in in Civil War, I think that is I've, probably the best yeah. work that he's had in the MCU. I really like him with what Brubaker does with him yeah. during his right. tenure as Captain America. I think that Bucky's tension about sort of knowing who he was as Winter Soldier and whether or not he feels worthy to inherit the mantle of Captain America, I think right. makes for some great dramatic tension in what Brubaker does. But there is not enough of that in the MCU, I think, to really warrant that. Uh, unless they end up playing with some of that related to Thunderbolts. But, I mean, who, to me, that is like the Florence Pugh movie, not the Sebastian Stan movie. Uh, and it sounds like they're going the direction in which they're headed with that. I, I don't know how much inner turmoil or, or really inner narrative we're going to get on the bookies. That, that movie is the, um, Oh, was it Olga? You, oh, I can mm-hmm. never pronounce her name, mm-hmm. but yep. that's, that's, that's what I think of when I think of that movie. Cause I'm such a huge fan of her and she's going to get nothing, but I'm going to love it. This is, is Thunderbolts is like Marvel Suicide Squad is basically what yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, she played Taskmaster mas- um, in the Black Widow, but I know her from her direct-to-video action stuff, and especially in yeah. her uh, French film uh, uh, called Sentinel. It was French, she was right? in Quantum of Solace, which I think is overhated. That's my take uh, on Quantum. Sent- Wait, is she? No, she is Russian, so maybe... It wasn't a French film, was it a French? Film? I don't remember. Uh, it's on Netflix. She does a. She has a her own movie. It's really good. She's a fantastic. Uh, she's just a fantastic action action uh, star. Um, oh, good Kurilenko. Oh, okay. I was like, I thought. This yeah, yeah I, I just couldn't pronounce it. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah can you yeah, look no if yeah. Sentinel is French or not? Because I feel like an idiot. Uh, it's French, right? Uh, Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. 
What was I going to say? The New World Order. Yeah, that the new cap. I Brave and, New uh, World we don't, is no longer called New World Order. Thank the Lord. The title on that one um, for various reasons. I, I've heard stuff about that movie. Like I'm like at one point they were. I don't know if they're still doing that, but like the care they were gonna like feature. Um, like a Mossad character, like a character. Like she a... is still in the movie, so far as I know. <laughs> I would imagine some of those reshoots will maybe readjust her role accordingly. <laughs> Sentinel is French. Also. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm not stupid. She just has a very like Russian name, so I forgot. Um. Yeah, Matthew Orton is is coming in on rewrites for this, and reshoots will occur from May to August of 2024. No director change? No director change. Yeah, I don't know about that one, man. I, I just, watching that show, I, I also just don't really think Anthony Mackie has the juice. Um mm. I, I would like say that it's a an... function of the. I've always liked him uh, as a I, I do too, um, but I don't know about it. Like, like a, it has to be a pretty dynamic character for me to care. Yeah, I, I don't think the the show did a good job of providing him material. By all accounts, from I, I didn't watch it, but I, I, it's very interesting to me that Twisted Metal I think was a more well received show as Isn't far that as his performance goes, uh, which is very interesting to me. Nevertheless, uh, it is. I mean, it all lies in the execution, right? So we we will see. I, I think they have a very tough road ahead of them for this one, and I do not blame anyone for tapping out on this, even just I based don't on, see a, on what you're not, alone. Not a single person's even... My, like, the thing is with, like, Fantastic Four, people are like... Even the people who are like, I'm probably not going to watch this, but this is kind of interesting. You're going to follow along what's going to happen. Like... Not a single soul cares about. I mean, like, I'm being obviously reductive, but, like, I can't, I haven't, there's not, like, any enthusiasm I have seen for the new Cap movie. And I'm just curious if it's going to be a nightmare or not. That's my curiosity. I just, it's hard for me to believe it's going to be great, um, but that's just because I'm a pessimist. Um, but it is also just their track record. It's just, I... I don't know, man. I and that cast and that story it all seems like such a fucking hail mary, but not a real yeah. interesting one either. So I don't, I don't know. Do you yeah, guys I mean, think, I think uh, Chris Evans as Captain America ever returns? I mean, there's been a lot of rumors. There was a Hollywood Reporter article I think that came out sometime, like honestly, during during COVID or or right before that they were looking to bring Chris Evans back in some capacity. The rumor at the time, I think, was a sort of potential like nomad series or or the idea that it would maybe be a Disney Plus show with him and Haley Atwell that showed what Cap was up to in between, you know, when he went back in time and when he ends up Well everyone wanted that movie of him seeing Red Skull again or whatever. Or that T V show of him plopping around, dropping off the stones and his adventures. Yeah, everyone that, wanted that's that what I'm saying. Yeah. Like that yeah. that basically like Captain America sentinel of time or you know whatever they would end up calling it but i you know i I don't think that's going to happen i mean they will definitely bring him back for secret wars right like there's no doubt in my mind about that that you'll have you know probably bucky cap and sam cap and steve cap all in secret wars like there's no doubt in my mind and even chris evans maybe even as johnny storm like they will (laughs) they will find a way to do all that and pay chris evans a brinks truck worth of money to do that like there's no doubt i doubt he has a big role though 
No, that's what I'm saying. It'll all be cameo stuff in Secret yeah. in Secret Wars, right? But they they will bring him back. Like that is what the whole purpose of those things are is to like have all this. Like Robert Downey Jr. will definitely be back. Like they will they'll bring in some alternate oh, I don't... of Tony Stark that hasn't died, but they'll do that for Secret Wars. Like, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. Like he won't come back officially officially, right? But like they'll have some alternate version of Tony Stark that is Robert Downey Jr. There's no way that they wouldn't do that. There's no way. I would love to be wrong, but to me, that's what Secret Wars is, is let's bring back all the original Avengers again, just for the purpose of this movie. Right. I think and, with and then Downey, you won't see him again, but they'll bring it back. Well, does Downey want to do that again? Probably not, but they're going to make him a Godfather offer. <laughs> like, I know he was at the Bastos, like, shit-talking this, but, like, Marvel like will just, pay him like more. right now. More, like, this just, that just happened. Like, earlier today, yeah. Yeah, earlier um, today, yeah. They will offer him more money than God. In fact, I think they have already, and he said no, but they'll offer him more. Like, they'll, <laughs> he'll, they'll do it. Like, I almost They're guarantee just, that they'll do it. But, yeah, I guess the thing is, Disney wants this to be too big to fail, because they're already yeah. announced they're scaling back on the D-plus stuff. And they're going to scale yeah, they're back. They're scaling back on, on everything. So right. I, I wrote about this last week for GQ in a report um, that I, I put up about Deadpool that, like, Disney is scaling back on a lot of their stuff. They really only want to focus on, like, core franchises. So I, I don't think you're getting a Shang-Chi 2 movie, respectfully. Especially uh, with Creighton not directing... Like they they don't they don't have to have a relation. I guess he's doing the Wonder Man thing, but is that even still happening? He's doing Wonder Man thing. He's still developing some stuff. I think he, they're going. There was talks of him developing like a Ten Rings TV show, but oh he's still God. in the Marvel family, so to speak. But like, yeah, I mean, I I also also don't envy whomever has to take over uh, directing Kang Dynasty, Kang Dynasty and and Secret Wars right. at this point. Right. So, nevertheless. I still, uh, it's very hard for me to believe those movies are going to come out. I know they will, but it's like, impo- like, I can't even, I don't even, I don't even know. I can't even understand it. I mean, Waldron's writing both of them right now, which I, I think that was the, the smart move from the beginning. Like, Waldron has a pretty good, seemingly pretty good handle on all this multiverse stuff. Like, he was, Is there some Dynasty debate. slated for 25 or 26? All that stuff's going to shift. Like, they're already talking about how they're probably right. going to end up shifting Fantastic Four to, like, November 2025. Like, that, all that stuff's going to move. I, I, I would There's not no be way. shocked. I would not be shocked that if we get a new slate reveal at Comic-Con this year with a bunch of shifting dates. Like, I, that would not be... They have to completely they restructure what they're doing right now because of the Jonathan Major situation, because of the financial implications of what's happening right now. Like some movies aren't is, doing well. Like they're just not like the, this, the biggest thing yeah. I have continued to say, and I will beat this drum, is that if Deadpool comes out and isn't a billion dollar movie, Marvel's fucked. It's going and that's to. it, and that's the end. And it will be. So the thing is, yeah. like, we can't. All these people who, myself included, to a certain extent, want to beat the drum on the end of Marvel. It's like let's look at what happens for the first movie that isn't Deadpool 3 and see what happens. So if Brave New World comes out when it's currently scheduled to come out on February 14th of 2025, if that movie comes out and is a bomb, then we need to have a serious conversation about like what happens with Marvel in the future. But like Deadpool is the Deadpool only Marvel coming out this year. Because Deadpool 3 is going to save some execs' lives. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the only Marvel trailer movie coming ever. this year. Well, some of that was counted by like views of the Super Bowl, so you have to kind yeah. of exclude that out. Right. So, but if Deadpool comes out and it's a bomb, then I think we have like real serious like this is the truly truly the end. But I don't think that'll be the case. So it's it's gonna be enough of a resuscitation to keep my to keep Marvel on life support until 
we get to Secret Wars. I mean, I, I think they'll they'll see this out till the end of Secret Wars, and then what happens after that is the real interesting story. But uh, I just can't imagine Secret Wars. Like, I like I I mean, I haven't been watching the movies, so that's probably why. But it's just also like, and I understand what it would be about. I've like I that's like multiverse plot. related. It's yeah, basically yeah. everyone fighting yeah. everyone. I mean, Fight, oh, the, oh god, okay. Um, well, and then the the other trump card they still have left to play here is X Men. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, X-Men's going to go away for a really long time, uh, probably post-Secret Wars, and then they'll just... It's one of those things where it would not shock me if Secret Wars is a... We're going to completely recast Iron Man, Captain America all over again and retell these stories and use Secret Wars as a way to completely reset our universe. And if they don't do that, then they'll just be like, fine, we're just going to do X-Men, and then we'll start, like, leaking in new characters here and there. But, like... That's the other thing. Like, we're going to see a bunch of X-Men characters in Deadpool and Wolverine, but the MCU's version of X-Men is still a really long ways away and I think is something that people will come back to because it'll be, oh, it's not Fox doing these characters again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it'll be Marvel's take on it, and people will want to see that. I mean, that's that's the card that they still have left to turn over. So I, I guess but, my thing is the hope I have with Marvel is that they're gonna look at all of these critic like Quantumania was critically panned, so to speak. Not a good movie. Um, the Marvels was poorly received. Um, a movie I like, but has problems. Multiverse Madness, while we like it, all three of us was also not super well received either. I mean, it was fine. Uh, super like, strange to me because like, I think that's that's one of the few movies that has come out recently that like I legitimately, I'd say I'm like relatively high on. Absolutely. I, it, Shang-Chi came and went. I mean, it was well-received, but has no real cultural impact. It's fine. Um, it's other than introducing Marvel Simu Wio to the, to the other two lexicon. <laughs> right. Marvel, Marvel Simu Liu? Um, <laughs> like, their shows have been shredded. Secret Invasion was shredded. Um, um, Eternals like, also. Like, uh, yeah, like that at this point i don't I even think i would blame them on like covid delays like it's just like i at that i mean covid I, is this... in the mix on some of this right like I, right. It just, it's fundamentally like plans were readjusted covid completely upended some things like I, you can't lay we're getting a little too in the weeds here for a conversation that was supposed to be about captain america so i, I do just want to say this i think the fundamental issue is that it, it is a bit of a chicken or an egg situation but i think both things are true and we have to hold both in our hands at the same time covid didn't totally make up for the covid doesn't totally wipe away the issue that disney had a streaming service that they had to put content for and they overextended and over leveraged the marvel properties in particular to try and fulfill the demand for a streaming service that desperately needed content at the same time i think some of the more streamlined things that have been a part of the marvel have been a part of marvel in the past made it so that the order of things and the cleanliness of things that had been there in the original plan caused Marvel to, to reshift. I, you know, I can definitely say that Falcon, the winter soldier, that show did not end start or continue in the way that they wanted to due to COVID related issues. Right. right. So it's, it's a bit again of a chicken or an egg situation here, but both of those things are in the mix. And I think you could, it's hard to tell really kind of, I think what the fault is one or another. I would say it's probably more likely this, they 
it, it's like the comic book boom bust in the 90s, right? They expanded too quickly. They tried to put all of their chips in all at once. Everyone was trying to recreate up. one another, right? Yes, it blew up, and this is where we are now. Fucking so. Rob mm-hmm. Liefeld, motherfucker. Um, uh, no, uh, I will say, and to bring it back to Captain America, I think maybe the thing I like the most out of post-Endgame Marvel was uh, Werewolf at Night. That little, little special that Michael Giacchino directed Mm -hmm. um, that had no ties to anything. No one watched it but me. Um, I I loved it. I thought it was really... That's like one of my favorite Disney Plus things they've done. It was charming. It had fun with its material. It wasn't looking down on it. It was played into its its, its genre. Um, And it just stayed to, to what it is, and it kept it fucking simple. And... So that's, I think, why, yeah, like, you and me love it is because it just feel it was a breath of fucking fresh air. And so that, to me, watching Captain America 1 for the first time in seven years is just, it's that thing. It's also, and, and again, it's not just Marvel. It's just blockbusters in general. Just, I, could, I just remembered seeing some of those scenes. And obviously, they've been replayed a million times. Hell, the, uh, credit, the opening credits for all these Marvel movies play the same fucking scenes over and over again. But... There was these scenes in the first I, yeah. cap that just was like, oh, this is, that's like a movie moment. That's iconic, but that also just feels like perfectly placed. It feels like it illustrates a character so well. It feels like it, like it's tactile. There are more actual sets. There are like sound stages rather than just blue four blue walls. Um, it's it, not shot like, in Atlanta. A lot of it seems, it's just shot yeah. on location. Right, I don't, I don't, yeah, like, the exteriors are all fucking CGI, but I mean, just the yeah. interiors, if it's, like, an actual, like, oh, you could probably, like, grab that thing. It's, yeah. it, obviously, it's not a lot, but it's more, much more than what we've gotten. So it's just, I think that's the breath of fresh air that I was just kind of, I didn't realize how much I missed when it came to modern mm-hmm. blockbusters, because it was just, like, I don't know, it, it really does feel like a throwback to that 80s style of writing, of just, like, character moments feeling as big as action moments like like having like steve jumping on that grenade feels like almost as big of a moment as a cameo in like endgame or whatever yeah like that feels like seismic and like really important and it wasn't someone punching someone or making a surprise appearance it was him jumping on a grenade and those are the moments that we've just really lost in blockbusters is that those character moments feeling seismic feeling important feeling like oh i'm gonna remember when i saw that that's gonna be a scene that sticks in my head i can't tell you a fucking thing that happened in shang chi I can't yeah, like I know. I know Tony you know Tony was in it and he was cool and that's it. I don't know. Tony could read the phone book, you know, and it's like but it, it, yeah, and I feel like there's that there's that scene where uh he completes the task of um you know going up the pole and then retrieving it, like and then he uh uh gets that ride with Peggy and it's like that is as good and he has that smirk on his face like that is as good of a laugh. Mm-hmm. has anything that Joss Whedon wrote in Avengers or something yeah. like that. And um, it's one of those Even things that... Even that first that... Avengers, that still felt, like, special. And there was those moments. It, like, still, like... Oh, I didn't mean to criticize so. Avengers that much. Oh, it's okay, just, but I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, by the way, Avengers, I feel like someone could choose, like, feasibly. I mean, it's... I mean, Iron Man, obviously, is the one that quote-unquote started it all but avengers is the thing that solidified it yeah, yeah. i mean I'm, i just I'm mean like if we back. if we were to like 
have if if someone else were to choose another MCU, I think it would be Avengers. Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh it's probably Avengers and then like Guardians are, are those are I think yeah. those are the big ones. Guardians is the or Avengers is the one that shows that the like team up concept works, and Guardians is the one. Guardians and Ant-Man are the ones where it's like, oh, people are now willing to go just see anything that has the Marvel brand on it. Like, there's a much, there's enough buy-in at this point that we can show you a space tree and a talking raccoon, and you guys will make this a billion-dollar movie. So, yeah. I, I, those are the the milestones that I look at, and then of course Endgame, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I think that's the other one. But so those four, I, I think, yeah. are, are really kind of the the major ones. Um, but. That is a really good point that Clay brings up. Like, there are shots in this that you do feel like have been recycled so many times, but yet when it's played in context, it doesn't like lose its value. In fact, it has energy to like, it. It feels yeah, like kind of yeah. exhilarating, and like, yeah. I it 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 does it reminded it re- me of, like that phase one, like the Iron Man shooting the fucking um, rocket at the tank and then walking away as it explodes. Like, yeah, right. There are yeah. scenes that it, that made these movies as iconic and made them this and like keep them alive for t- fifteen years. It's w- interesting to me that those moments also remind me of the first Spider-Man, Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Right. Um, in what's even more interesting is like why is the first Spider-Man so beloved? But I feel like that first Avenger is underrated still. It's probably because it's just buried in the grand scheme of well, the Sam MCU. Sam Raimi is one of the greats, and it's and it's also Sam Raimi is one of the greats, of course. But it's it, but you just I don't know the the, the those the way that it introduces a character, um, in in a cinematic lens, I feel like is is very similar. Can we do ten minutes on ball, Clay? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Because right. because the All Star Game is on right now. Okay. So here's 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 my Trey Young hypothesis. Right. Okay. You ready for this? Can you believe this is our job? Okay. All right, fire away. All right, ready to do this? Yes, I am. All right, two, three, four. Ba 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 basketball, gimme 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 the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Ba 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 basketball, gimme 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 the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Ba 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 basketball, gimme 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 the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Ba 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 basketball, gimme. All right, now that's how you do it, Dave. It was just getting hot. You are in such good voice today, buddy. This Hawks team is not really going anywhere. They need to make a trade. They want their picks back, is my guess. That San Antonio has. So move off Trey. Oh, that's get your picks right. back. Oh wow. Get their picks back that they traded. Get, you know, Keldon and Zach Collins, and we'll have to throw some extra picks in there to sweeten the pot, but. That's how we move off. I feel that's like how they move off Jeremy. Uh, I would really hope to not have to do that. I think if we throw in enough of our own picks, we can probably do that. Uh, I, I think that's what it has to be, is that it just needs to be a boatload of picks. Because we're going to want to keep Sohan, and we're going to want to keep Vassell. Because those, those are the two guys that we have right now that we've drafted that we want to build around in addition to Wemby. Uh, but you... You throw Keldon in there, and you throw Zach Collins, and then maybe like um, Bramham or Champagny, like one of those guys, right? Like a mid Wesley. Yeah. Wesley probably is probably the one that is going to need to be in there. I would hate to 
give up Wesley, but he probably needs to be in there, so we don't have to put Jeremy in there, right? But I think you do that, you do Atlantis picks, and you do a boatload, you know, do a couple like couple pick swaps or whatever it is, and that's how you get Trey. And then DeJounte becomes ostensibly Victor Wembanyama and Trey Young. <laughs> and they <laughs> they have been they have been given eyes to each other like a couple that is like secretly dating but hasn't told anybody yet. I mean, there were reports on the trade deadline that the Spurs seriously kicked the tires on that. And I think it's one of those things the Hawks didn't want to do anything until the summer when they can put they can pit the Lakers and the Spurs against each other, but the Spurs have more to offer than than the Lakers do. And most importantly, those Hawks picks so that's my big brains. Like that's why I'm like I think this trade is happening. Like I, there's just there's too much smoke it makes around this too now, much sense, which is why um, I think it's true. So who would the other t- there has to there if Trey Young's on the market, there's going to be another team besides the Lakers and the Spurs that's going to be like, hey, hi, how's it does going? OKC who- want Trey Young? I don't think they do. No. Like o- OKC has too much at this point. Like OKC needs another big guy. Like they don't need they don't need Trey. Who is the draft? Like, who- Brooklyn doesn't have the draft capital. Um, I mean, no, not really. Mm-mm. Wizards are not going to do it, and they don't nope. even have that much of a draft capital. Um, the Spurs need a point guard are in are incentivized to potentially overpay for one. Yeah, and Detroit doesn't need one. So, why? That's why if you go through and you think about it, I think it is like you might actually more, get it for a ransom. Yeah, I think it's more done than. It seems to be. I, I, I honestly think the only reason it didn't happen at the trade deadline is because they want to try and leverage the Lakers and the Spurs against one another, and and that's the reason why. You would and have still- to trade either LeBron or AD to get to match any kind of draft capital. Well, and I, th- I think the Hawks may still try and even deal DeJounte to the Lakers anyways. So it might be one of those things where it's like, we're not going to, like, you don't have enough for, for, for the Lakers or for the Hawks? Hawks. Do they completely do a rebuild? You know, I don't know. Maybe it's time. I I, mean, I, I, w- I just don't like those Laker assets unless you're giving me Austin Reeves and they're not giving you Austin Reeves. So I, I would, I, I think DeJounte well, it, if you, is if you have more all valuable those assets, than people think. If you have all those assets from the Lakers and what you're getting from the Spurs, is that enough? I mean, to your point, they'll probably keep DeJounte and just look to move off a of tray. Because I think Quinn, and I've also heard that just from reporting stories out there, that Quinn Snyder likes DeJounte quite a bit. So my guess like is that they just... I, I mean, I like DeJounte, too. I was livid when we traded him. And then I had people in my mentions on Twitter literally posting pictures of Wemby saying, like, keep your eye on the prize, and lo and behold. So I, I think that's what we'll do. I mean, the Spurs will still need to upgrade. We probably need another, you know, need a good wing. But that puts us in a position where we are, like, very competitive in the West as we continue to try and build around Wemby. Like, that is how you go from being, like – you know, a team that like doesn't look like we know what we're doing as far as building around Wemby to being like an instant playoff contender. Vassal, how good is his defense? It, I would need to look like the on-off numbers. I mean, my biggest point at this point has been he just needs to be more consistent in his three-point shooting, and he's gotten there over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I would. I think. I think you. That. I think you just bring in. I mean, Wemby is such. An elite defender. That right? is the like, thing. That's why it makes so much sense. But you, you need, Jer- you need you like a, a good. Too. You have Jeremy's a really 
good guy. I mean, there were some matchup numbers that the Spurs posted. Uh, Spurs beat writer I followed put that like Wemby's numbers against, or sorry, uh, Sohan's numbers against LeBron were like pretty good. Um, so I, I think Sohan is a good defender. I think whatever wing we get needs to be, uh, which is what D. everybody wants, right? Like a three and D defender. So, um, you know, everybody in the league is looking for a three and D defender. That's not a shock. <coughs> and those guys are draft find. But maybe we'll be drafting one. Uh, you know, I would love to steal Denny from the Wizards. That's ah, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But that would be great. Like, he, I think have, he would be yeah. a great 3 and D defender, right? But, you know, More we draft one. Um, we either draft one or, or we trade for one or both, right? But I, I, that's why I, I think you're, you're calling me crazy. I think there's... This is more. I don't think you're crazy. Than... I just said you were thirsty. Like you were like. Well, I'm thirsty because you know. I think I can see the water in front of me, yeah. bro. <laughs> like yeah. that's why. I, I, like it's like I, the, the glass of water is like two feet in front of my face. <laughs> it no, I I'm I'm with you. It's this is like watching a text chain. And the key component, real... in a way, for any superstar to want to go to or to every any super, any star going to San Antonio is for that star to want to go to San Antonio. And he has been making. Kissy faces at Wimby all weekend. Absolutely, so, and that like and that's I, and that's why I'm that's why I, I I agree with you is that it's one of those that's like the biggest obstacle almost even more than like draft picks or whatever. It's like does the motherfucker want to go to San Antonio? Yeah. Um, and the motherfucker does. So um, or is at least pretending to be right. Like you know I don't I he doesn't want to go to LA. He doesn't want to play an ex LeBron. I don't. Yeah, I think I don't believe. That. I still think he wants to be. I mean, that's the thing is he's going to have to realize that this Spurs team is not his team, right? And I think that's been some of the tension in Atlanta is like Dejounte getting there. Like who? What? I mean, but I Wemby guess would make him look team, but like, so good. I mean, he's incredible. Good, but he would. It would help him his defensive nightmare, mm-hmm. and it would. Trey's better I mean, on defense this year than he has been in years past. True. Um, so he's just a little bad instead of horrible, horrible. Um, he's like an average defender now. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, but like his assist numbers would go crazy. Would be insane. And I, I think that's the thing is like, it'd be like John Stockton. Yeah. So, and I think playing with pop, pop will iron out some of his bad tendencies to hopefully would be, would be my thought. You would hope. Yeah. I mean, I think like there's, there's a foundation here. There's a recipe for success. I think we're we're literally at like 11 minutes. So I, I said 10 minutes. So like we'll, we can we can wrap up NBA shop talk here. But like that, <laughs> that is that is my case. Um, and then only other thing to say is just God God bless your Washington Wizards, Clay. I they are somehow <laughs> worse this year than they have been in the last f- four years that I have attended with season tickets. Did you uh, know this? Did you notice this? Or was this breaking news to you? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, no. Clay and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, this is I, like watching a text chain play out in real life. I guess. This is great. Yeah. Sorry, Jack. You just got to get into basketball. Is what I'm saying. I do. No. He I. He has a shield of Survivor. He's a. He's allowed. No. No. I. Of, you know nonsense. I, he I can, don't know. You can. He can. He can deal with it. He's fine. I wasn't browsing Survivor Reddit while you guys were. He's talking. a sweet boy. Um, <laughs> I. I watch. Basketball, I just don't know the ins and outs. Is how I text react me. to Give this. Me a text, give me a call. I'd love to. I'd love to talk shop. Come on. I, I'm I got just all like, this free do, time now. Where do I got all this free time? Oh boy. Well, I'm oh, like, no. where do I begin? Where do I? I don't know. I don't know anything. It's like just watch. I, just watch. pick a team and yeah. watch. 
that's, that's no, the I, thing I can tell you. I watch the Celtics games, but I don't know, like, you know, lucky the, the, motherfucker. the shop. You well, lucky, uh, well, so, lucky so piece of shit. I'll, I'll say then, like, you, I mean, easier said than done at this point, right? But, like, honestly, figuring out players on teams came down to me playing fantasy basketball. Like, I, you know, you started oh, really? That's to... Interesting. 2K was to, it for me. 2K was when I I just that, I can't do sports good. games. They're just like a little right. too technical for me. But like oh, playing fantasy basketball was like, oh, okay, like yeah. this guy gave me twenty five fantasy points tonight. Like, what's his deal? Who what uh, team is he on? You yeah. know, like what position does he play? And you then care you, more you know, if you're if you're That's why I'm invested in Isaiah Hartenstein, a guy yeah, who exactly. looks like a super soldier. Now I'm actually like, oh, I kinda like him now because he's getting these yeah. fantasy points. Even That's though he I, could be an Aryan. that's how i got into pascal siakam and was like really interested in the raptors and the raptors got Kawhi, and then it was like oh okay like now i'm really interested in this raptors team now right like it's 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 easier to do that if you have a semi-vested interest in guys who aren't on your own team and then you start to pick up players on excuse me the other team it's very funny to me i last thing sports thing is i um I often serve as the auctioneer for a fantasy football draft for a group of friends of mine. And I couldn't tell you who half of those guys are because I don't really watch the NFL. Right. But if we were to do, and they have like stickers and in years last year, they actually got me stickers with the players faces on them. So I could maybe kind of start to like recognize the guys. If you, if we were doing a like offline NBA fantasy draft, I would know who pretty much everybody is. Like it, it would not be tough. For me I think I know. Out. Yeah, I think I know every single player in the league besides maybe the, some of the G League guys and half of yeah. the Memphis or and like Portland teams. Further down the bench players, like at this point, like you know, oh, I yeah. may not know like like guys who get B guys who get moved at the trade deadline. Like that might be harder for me to remember. Like what team that they're on in this particular. That's hard. That's the hardest like, for me. Is I know who's in the league. I just sometimes forget. Like where is Reggie Bullock right now? Yeah, where is yeah. he? Is he still in Dallas or is he on in Detroit? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I think he's. In the That's show, the thing. But, I know, but yeah. he's around, and I'll yeah. find him and I'll say hi. Um, I I do one one, one more basketball comment just to trump that basketball comment. And addendum. Uh, have you ever too. have you ever heard the joke of imagine E forty saying Pascal Siakam? Pascal Siakam. <laughs> That's good. Gives you a good chuckle. Anytime yeah. I hear his name, I just think of E forty saying Pascal Siakam. Yeah, Ooh. that's a good one. I would love to hear E forty say Victor Wembanyama. Oh, sorry. That literally gave me goosebumps. Okay, uh, I am gonna fly to San Francisco and find him, <laughs> and find him and see what he'll do. What do we say? We get the favorite scene. Let's do that. What do What do we What do we think about this? Of this idea. Um, uh, will we go first? What yeah. would you go. say to going first? The moment where Peggy comes and finds Steve after Bucky's died and he's drinking. Uh, mm. I really, really oh, like that scene because it helps give the movie. You, sh- you see the immediate implications of that and what that relationship meant to Steve. I think that is a scene that is maybe doing some heavy lifting of that relationship well that we too. maybe don't. It's extremely well written. It gives insight into who Steve is now, right? And 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 also gives a little bit more context that there have been conversations. It just flushes out this world a little bit more right because peggy comes in and she was like erskine was afraid that that might be one of the side effects right so you get an understanding that like there's a shared history there between peggy and erskine that we didn't really get to see that much of right because peggy comes in a little bit 
later to things after Steve and Nurse kind of have their their relationship. Gives more context to the Bucky Steve relationship, and it's a good moment to think to help sell the relationship between Peggy and Steve. But then it's improved upon, like you know, when we get the kiss at the very end of the movie, right? Um, it, I'm it's not kissing. Like it's a softer that <laughs> that line reading from Tommy Lee Jones is really really good. It's it's like a um, you know I think the the splashy one would be like the you know the dancing conversation that that Peggy and Steve have right. But this is quieter, and I think it does a lot to help service that relationship um, and make it more believable. So that's it's just a really really great character beat, uh, and I think a lot of Marvel movies nowadays would maybe not have time for that scene, and so. Dr. Erskine said that this serum wouldn't just affect my muscles, it would affect my cells. Create a protective system of regeneration and healing, which means, um... I can't get drunk. Did you know that? Your metabolism burns four times faster than the average person. He thought it could be one of the side effects. It wasn't your fault. Did you read the report? Yes. Then you know that's not true. You did everything you could. Did you believe in your friend? Did you respect him? Then stop blaming yourself. Allow Barnes the dignity of his choice. He damn well must have thought you were worth it. I'm going after Schmidt. I'm not going to stop till all of Hydra's dead are captured. You won't be alone. Johann Schmidt belongs in a bug house. He thinks he's a god and he's willing to blow up half the world to prove it, starting with the USA. Schmidt's working with powers beyond our capabilities. He gets across the Atlantic, he will wipe out the entire eastern seaboard in an hour. How much time we got? According to my new best friend, under 24 hours. Where is he now? Hydra's last base is here. In the Alps, 500 feet below the surface. So what are we supposed to do? It's not like we can just knock on the front door. Why not? That's exactly what we're going to do. I also just like how it doesn't let... So many scenes and so many movies and TV shows where the hero blames himself. It's my fault. It's obviously my fault. I'm the reason that it, it, I always really like it when the char- when the other character or whatever says like, "It was his choice, dude. Do you yeah. not respect him? Because yeah. you you're acting like he's like a lesser like he doesn't know what he's doing those moments. Just this kind of contextualizing where, where that kind of kind of sw- side swipes the pity show for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like no, it really wasn't your fault." Uh, he made his choice, and that's and do you like, just the idea of her mentioning like don't you respected him, so you need to respect his choice, and um, that coming up and that coming up in his ending dialogue with Peggy, like this mm-hmm. is my choice. Yeah. Um, I 
kind of... I really like that ending. I think it's something we just don't... We don't get... It's very rare for bittersweet endings anymore in blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either full-on, we lost, which is like the Infinity War. And I guess Endgame is a little bittersweet, but like... Most of these movies just end with like a happy. And game is just kind of a victory ending. lap anyway. Like it's, right. Yeah. In this, it's like it's bittersweet and it stays bittersweet, and mm-hmm. it's actually not even that sweet. It's just kind of bitter because mm-hmm. it's, there's no. I mean, it's it's a real melancholy ending, right? Like you know, it especially doubled down upon the fact that like, I saw David Sims post this on his Letterbox review where he's like it was like his fourth or fifth time watching it that he had logged it. And he was like, okay, the movie finally earned Steve's last little bit of dialogue this time. What the, I had a, I had a date. Like, I, I think it's one of those things that it makes that moment really, really impactful. I think and, yeah. and helps. And uh, Evans still just, delivers that line so much. Like he's not mm-hmm. weeping. He's just like, and I, I think that's, it's melancholy. It's like, he, like, it's like, it's like he missed it. it. Yeah. It's, yep. like nope. he an appointment. It, it's not sad because the hero lost. It's not sad because someone like his lover died or whatever. It's just sad because he missed out. And yeah. I, it's such a small stakes character moment in the grand scheme of superheroes that you don't really get. It's all big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And that's, just yeah, that's my favorite. Very scene. small nuanced character bits. Oh, my favorite scene is the uh, is the ending conversation when he dives in. I mean, like the whole. I mean, Haley is doing immaculate work. The whole, I, and it's also really well written. The idea of just like kind of prolonging so they don't have to say goodbye. I'll see you at. I'll see you next. You better be there. Just that kind of sweet moment to give him before he quote unquote dies. I think is really just. It's a really really sweet scene. Um, and I saw like I the think... filmmaking in that where we don't, we see the moment, we don't see the moment where Steve actually hits the ice. We just hear it, but you it see enough out. of it to have the understanding of like what's happening without actually having to see it. And we also know that like, he's going to be pulled out of the ice cause that's how the movie starts. Right. But it focuses right. on, it's all about Peggy's reaction to that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And we the get the other that side of that. When we, when... And she, her face just like drops. It's really, yeah. it's really solid filmmaking. And also just. I don't know that that there's some soul to that man. That feels like someone made a choice and they wrote it and they directed it and they made and the actor you know was in the scene and was like, okay, this is a very like sweet and sad melancholy moment and we're gonna just kind of end it with this. This is yeah. even though it, there's all this stuff after like this is the ending of it. Captain Rogers, what is your... Steve, is that you? Are you all right? Hey, Schmidt's dead. What about the plane? That's a little bit tougher to explain. Uh, Give me your coordinates. I'll find you a safe landing site. It's not going to be a safe landing. But I can try and force it down. Uh, I'll get Howard on the line. He'll know what to do. There's not enough time. This thing's moving too fast and it's heading for New York. I gotta put her in the water. Please, don't do this. We have time. We can work it out. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. If I wait any longer, a lot of people are going to die. Peggy. This is my choice. 
A week next Saturday at the Stork Club. You got it. Eight o'clock on the dot. Don't you dare be late. Understood? You know, I still don't know how to dance. I'll show you how. Just be there. We'll have the band play something slow. And also, it, it's like pre this the trend of them hiring these people from independent, smaller scale pictures, and then having them these direct these grand blockbusters that's supposed to like connect to everything else. I feel like that it just shows like there is a difference when you have someone with craft and have someone but with experience in the blockbuster, you know, mid to large scale filmmaking and having it have have all these uh, character payoffs and you know satisfying endings according to their story i actually had something in mind that is completely different and that's just like the star spangled banner um it's so good like it's, it's, it's so just, good it's something that shouldn't work and in a really yep. lousy uh version of this movie it absolutely doesn't and it's yeah and it's and it's just kind of and probably the uh tim stories um uh, Captain America: First Avenger is is the version where it's lousy, but uh, here it's it's a nice breather. As like, um, I kind of forget. I think I've misremembered like what were the events that led up to it. Like, um, the spy kills himself, and Tucci is shot, and they kind of like, you're the only one of these we have. We don't know what to do with you, and then. He's just off being this propaganda symbol. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then it's, just, it's kind of like this nice, like, breather from uh, the rest of the movie. And it's it's really funny to see, like, Evans flex that comedic muscle again. Um, in a relatively, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's it's a funny movie, but it's not, like, like withheld from... It's not, like tied down to having like joke per minute right it, it's clever right like yeah not, yes. it, it's just it's it's very clever like and, and not like a, that's a great word, clever yeah. sometimes gets thrown around as like pejorative i think this is like legitimately like oh yeah of course like they would they would do this right like if he because he's a one of one in such a specimen in every sense of the word they wouldn't want to put him into a place where he could actually get killed or whatever so it's like what's the next best thing oh we're going to use him as this propaganda machine well, if you take that out to its logical conclusion of what would happen back at that point, it's like, of course he's going to go door to door, ostensibly selling war bonds, right? <laughs> like, and it's it it is one of those things where it just shows a level of thought and intention that I think sometimes just Marvel movies don't quite have the room for nowadays. Where it's like this is legitimately <coughs> and clever in, in a way that is like 
cheeky as creatively a very very fun uh yeah. but then also like pushes the narrative forward in a way that's yes. that's really cool it's like how okay we need to find some way to get him into the battlefield how do we do that while making it seem without snapping our fingers and making it happen instantly so it's like we need to show some time has gone by how, how do we do that oh well let's have him let's do this musical montage where he's been around the country for three four five six yeah. months uh, and the military really doesn't even solution. love him back. Like that's yep. even the part that I misremembered as well, where it's like, you know, we want we want uh, the the showgirls more than we Bring want back someone. The girls. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> funny. Such a good line reading, like deflects this tomato with the shield. Uh, yeah, it's it's really clever. But um... I don't know if I can do this. Nothing to sell a few bonds. Bonds buy bullets. Bullets kill Nazis. Bing bang boom. You're an American hero. It's just not how I picture getting there. Senator's got a lot of pull up on the hill. If you play ball with us, you'll be leading your own platoon in no time. Take the shield. Go! Who's strong and brave here to save the American way? Not all of us can storm a beach or drive a tank, but there's still a way all of us can fight. Who vows to fight like the man for what's right Series E defense bonds. Each one you buy is a bullet in the barrel of your best guy's gun. Who will campaign door to door for America? Carry the flag shore to shore for America. in the barrel of your best guy's gun. Bullets and bandages, tanks and tents. Now that's where you come in. Every bond you buy will help protect someone you love. We'll keep our boys armed and ready, and the Germans will think twice about trying to get the drop on us. Yeah, William, thank you so much for being here once again. Of course. Um, this Anytime, This was an absolute lads. blast to have you. Um, yeah, this is, you, you really uh, are so well articulate when it comes to uh, the Marvel machine. Uh, but if this will be out next week if you have anything that's going to be out that you're working on where you can 
people can find you online. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, you can you can read me for a lot of your Marvel news analysis on Gentlemen's Quarterly. Uh, I also do some writing at Complex as well, and then I, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm not calling it X uh, at Goodman W. And then I also have a Substack as well, which you can find just by scrolling through my tweets. Uh, I think those are those are the main places. Yeah, my Substack is really kind of it's like a weekly recommends newsletter. I just wrote actually about the Television Critics uh, Association Winter Press Tour. If folks are interested in, in digging mm-hmm. that up, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm mostly just tweeting away in between pieces. So those are the best places. If you want Spurs it. takes, he got some. Yeah, right. I, that that is. Very true. Although we're going to be off for a little bit, but I guess that by the time this comes out, the Spurs will be back playing again. We ne- we're never off. Uh, takes uh, NBA Twitter never takes a break, ever, no. ever, ever. It's just um, you guys are pedal to the metal. Uh, so, I can so be fun. found on Twitter, Jack Eight Draper, Airbox, Jack Draper Seven. Uh, I have writing about film at the Boston Hassle. Uh, this movie is available. Uh, uh, Disney Plus, of course, and um, I think by the time this episode is out, we will have our um, Disney checks in the mail. Everybody got theirs. Got theirs. No. Um, compensated mm-hmm. yeah. well. That's, that's um, nice. Um, next episode, we have finally. I feel like a film that we've been wanting to do for a long, long time. Which is Ad Astra with Roxanne Haddadi. Now four time guest. Um great motion picture, great guest. Excited to do that one. The best guest, Rocky Ghouls. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I mean I I always put her on my list of DMV legends. Like uh, <laughs> I know you're a transplant, but William, you're on that list. Um Okay. Thank and... you for inflating my ego at the end of the show. Much appreciated. Yeah, yeah, Your yeah, check and, is in uh, the mail, Clay. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Um and Bailey Herday, uh, also mm-hmm. a transplant, but mm-hmm. DMV legend. Um, Dave Batista, Kevin Durant. Uh, we're all on that list. We're all on that list. Um, yeah. Elite company. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyone uh, from KD, the East Coast? Maybe less like. so, but Dave Batista is squarely on there. I'm still still trying to figure out KD. Um, everyone follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram. You can follow my uh, <laughs> podcast where you <clears throat> ETT Pod. You can send us an exiting or you send us an email to exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com please remember to rate review subscribe give us five stars on any podcast platform you listen us on to we greatly appreciate it um forget anything no i don't think so uh be good to yourselves stay safe keep supporting the ceasefire movement for everything that's happening in gaza right now um and yeah we will catch y'all next time on exiting through the 2010s